Welcome to Respawning Fire, episode 160. The key, uh, blah, I totally fucked that up. Welcome to Respawning, I just blanked for a second. Welcome to Respawning Fire, episode <laughs> 160, the Kick-Ass Irreverent Gaming Podcast from Affable Idiots. My name is Holden DePardo, and I'm here with the butt of... Chad Michael is- Linus, a.k.a. La Ciudad de Mexico. I'll see your dad in Mexico. <laughs> And we've got the dreamiest fan base of all time, and Chad's butt, joining us from all over the world right now. Every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, put us in your ears with your favorite podcast service, or put us in your eyes by searching for Respawning Fire on the YouTube. That's right, we've gone into the world of the third dimension with 2D video, and if you want to add the fourth dimension of time, you're already here on twitch.tv slash idiots. We're recording Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, like I said we're doing right now. Tuesday's episode is brought to you by Affable Idiots, which we'll tell you about later on in the episode. That's it for the housekeeping. We've got a really good episode. We've got next-gen game footage to finally, finally talk about. Another rumor of PS5 reveal event of some kind. Ah! We got financial funness from Nintendo and EA. And we got a pretty cool video of Prince of Persia Redemption. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Very cool. Before all that, though, we're going to get something else very cool, which is Game Court, attorney-based strategy for determining game character guilt (gasps) every week we put your favorite video game characters and villains on trial for the heinous crimes they've committed chad and i will argue for and against the defendant and it's up to you the audience to decide on twitter the following days the fate of said character this week our defendant is none other than dallas smith oh shit before we get to that crime though Thanks, Dallas, for putting out I fucked it up. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate the support. (laughs) So we had to go over the results from last week. Last week... We have to. Because this is a a phenomenon. It's an anomaly. That's what I meant to say. It's an anomaly. It's an Anna Mona Lisa, (laughs) that terrible movie. The Elite Four and Ash Ketchum were on trial for animal cruelty being prosecuted by the state. And the verdict was... Guilty! Guilty! Guilty of animal cruelty. Thank you, everyone, for finally coming to my side and agreeing with what's right in this world. They will now be going to jail in Russia, where the punishment is beheading. Wow, that's very serious. Of their Pokemon. They're killing the Pokemon because, you know, after a life of battling like that, that they can't go live a normal life. What do you think would be better, going to Russia and getting like, beheaded or going to China and having your entire existence disappear as if you never even lived ever? Uh, what would be worse? I don't know. Russia. Okay, I think maybe, yeah. But this you could week... be disappear to a, to a really nice island that's like Animal Crossing New Horizons or something like that. Russia would be better you could. for me. It, I we would could. that. But Chad... This week, run us through... Yes, we, have, we, have, we are putting on trial the real-life person Dallas Smith. For the murder of Alexander Kozina, the other real-life person. Now, you might be saying, what are you talking about? We can't make judgments about people in real life. We're not the government. We are more than government. <laughs> we are Respawn Aim Fire. Let's take a look at the clip. Objectively, sorry, me as the, as the judge. I am Honorable Judge Butt Scratcher. <laughs> butt Scratcher, all rise. <laughs> It gets me every time. Every just time. Like Honorable Judge Butt Sorry, Scratcher the will judge hear, stands up. We will objectively describe the crime based on the evidence that you see on the screen before you. We have the body cam 
of an officer on location by the name of Matt from R.I. In the body cam, you can clearly see uh, Alex Cozina on his way, probably to, to board up a wall or something like that. A charge laid on the ground in front of him. And you can see Dallas going by the name D.F. and Smitty. That's his, his, uh, his soldier name, D.F. and Smitty. Waits until Alex crawls over the bomb to explode it. And then we see everyone continues about their day like normal, gathering armor from a bag and continuing their mission. That's the objective evidence that you see on the screen right now on repeat. Holden, you're the prosecution. No, yes, you're the prosecution. I'm the defense. One mm -hmm. of these days I'll know this going into it. <laughs> um, because you're the prosecution, you get to say your opening statement. Go. Yes. I mean, like our judge just laid out for us, this is clear-cut footage of Alex Cozina being blown up by a mine that was set off by Dallas. But what's not known from just the clip is that Dallas isn't actually in any sort of law enforcement agency. So not only was he impersonating an officer, but he killed another officer while impersonating another officer. That's a double crime that is fraudulent. It's maniacal. And dangerous. We cannot allow this person, Dallas Smith, to wander the streets. He can disguise himself as anything, in this case, as a police officer. And no one else, as, as the judge pointed out, does anything. They don't say anything. They don't do anything. Why? Because they're terrified. They realize the circumstances they've gotten themselves in and the danger that Dallas Smith has not just put Alex Cozina tragically but has endangered the lives of every other soldier or law enforcement officer in that room with him. We are charging for impersonating an officer and murder. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> we have our defense. Please provide your opening statement. Thank you, Bud Scratcher. This was not my plan coming into today, but I agree with the prosecution. <laughs> we have word from special surprise witness, Chad Michael Innes, who was playing the other night and was also shot in the head by Dallas. <laughs> um, the defense has no further statements, Your Honor. <laughs> uh, prosecution, come back here for a second. I do have to, for the record... Um, <laughs> Just let it be known that uh, Dallas didn't even say that he was innocent. He just said Enoch in the chat. I-N-N-O-C. <laughs> it could be innocuous. So he's not, he's not claiming <laughs> He's not claiming any innocence or guilt. I'm just basically he's pleading, he's pleading the fifth, which is suspicious. So that is it for Game Court this week. <laughs> it is up to you in the coming weeks, in the coming days, uh, to cast your vote. <laughs> As the jury as to whether you believe everyone involved that he's guilty or whether you want to go with your gut or Dallas saying he's innocuous. And I don't know. <laughs> Dallas says he wants sense. to testify. I think it's a really bad idea because you need a lawyer, dude. You just said you deserved it. You want the truth. You can't handle <laughs> the truth. I call myself to the state. He says, um, I, I got to tell you, saying you deserved it is not you. You lost. The Honorable Judge <laughs> Butt Scratcher calls this episode of Game Court adjourned. <laughs> oh, that was my knuckles on the table and it hurt a lot. Let's move on. 
moving on to playtime. We played... I played a lot of the same stuff this week, but Chad has something new to talk about. <laughs> I did. Well, you played some of this with me, too. Um, I did. Well, one of the things we played was Rainbow Six Siege, the new Grand Larceny event that's available through um, May 19th. So if you like what you hear here, two different spellings of that word, they're homonyms. If you like we what love you, you too, here, Dallas. Um, you can go play it still. The Grand Larceny event is a new mode in Rainbow Six Siege where you get to choose from, like, I don't know, what was it, 16 different operators that you normally might not have access to. And it's all 1920s based. And you are, rather than, like, defending a location. Sorry, I have the hiccups right now and I'm hicking, hiccuping chicken tacos up. You are not, like, defending a bomb or a hostage. You are, there are just safes everywhere. And you're trying to keep the other team from cracking three safes. By either killing them or running out the clock. Uh, I had a ton of fun with this. It brought something fresh to Rainbow Six Siege, which already I have fun and like it's it is replayable enough to keep my interest week after week. But playing this event, the all the floors being destructible added a whole new strategy. Like, oh my god, there's a safe on the third floor. But if I just get on the basement and just keep shooting shotgun shots into the ceiling over and over and over, it'll drop it all the way down. Which also allowed you to have a strategy of like, I'm going to keep a safe on floor one, but I'm going to be up on floor three and shoot holes through it. And then when somebody goes down there and starts cracking that safe, I'm going to shoot down two floors into their skull. So that's fun too. Skull shooting. Uh, I, I love that aspect of it. I love that everyone was on equal ground with having shotguns. And that some operators that you might normally play as are useless in this because of the circumstances. Like... Um, I can't think of it. Oh, like Thermite. You would never play as Thermite because everything's destructible. Everyone has shotguns and there's not really a reason to like... It. There are so many other better operators to play. So I had a ton of fun playing this event. You played with us though, Holden. What was your experience with it? I did. Uh, pretty much the same. The The biggest thing I remember is Dallas also being a mur- going on a murderous rampage yeah. and killing <clears throat> five people. No, it's all serious. It was the most amazing thing I've seen in the game was... I guess what happened is Dallas had to go like help his kid with something or something like that, and he was just standing in place on the outskirts of the map while everyone else died. So meanwhile, the other team is a full uh, is a full five uh, players on their team, and Dallas is the only one left. But he's not even playing; he's just standing still. So we're all watching his camera, going like, "Dallas, what are you doing?" And then he comes back in, and going, "Oh, did we start playing?" And he just <laughs> runs in that house and he kills all five people. It was unbelievable. It was to watch. awesome. It was insane. <clears throat> Go to it was Twitter. one of the coolest things. Check out the video yeah, on his Twitter. It's awesome. DFN Smitty on Twitter. You can watch that video. It was incredible. I agree. The verticality of the level you're talking about, I think, makes this mode stand out amongst the other modes in the game. I would like to see this not be an event. I would like to see this be a part of Yeah, it'd be cool Siege, to keep this around. Just, just to begin with. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. I mean, it's largely still Siege. Having the shotguns makes it a little chaotic, and sometimes you'll just die and not really know what had just happened. Yeah. Mostly because sometimes you will be cracking a safe that fell through the floor, and someone shoots you from above, and you don't even see them coming. But that's just kind of online shooters to begin with anyway. Um, but the, the shotgun definitely adds a level of mayhem to it as well. It so was, was cool, cool to see sometimes when like you're standing still like looking at a doorway or something like that, and somebody shoots the floor out from under you from below... And then you fall yeah. and die. Like that's that's a cool mechanic that that can happen in this game. Mm-hmm. I also really liked um, something else that I totally forgot. So there's that. <laughs> it was very memorable. Yeah, so memorable. <laughs> but I liked a lot. There's another event. 
you did this week, though. Yeah, what Destiny 2, the Guardian Games, has actually been going on for three weeks, but Matt finally reignited um, that that lust for Destiny content. He's like, hey, am I about to play <laughs> Destiny? And I was like, fuck, am I about to play Destiny with you? And we did, and we've been getting medals. There are This event is basically nothing but bounties on bounties on bounties. And you go in and you get bounties that count towards medals, which are technically quests, but they're basically just bounties again. Um, and they're focused around different modes. So to get three medals on this week or this day, it might require you to do strikes or it might require you to do crucible. So we did everything, including a new mode called Forge that's been in the game forever. And we just found out what it was yesterday. We played a lot of that. Um, Destiny, again, so fucking good. I'm so happy that we're playing it again. Um, we got Dallas in on it after days of bitching, saying, oh, I don't want to play Destiny. Destiny sucks. Everyone play Red Dead. Look at my pictures of horse balls in Red Dead. And then he jumped online with us, and then 10 minutes, he's like, Destiny's so fucking good. He's like, yeah, yeah. Was he? Because um, today in, in the chat, he seemed a little... Oh, no, he played with us last uh, night. No... Oh, okay. He seemed yeah. to be hating on Destiny still. And today. then, And then he said... I could probably do some of this before the event wraps up on Tuesday. Because for most of you, by the time you're listening to this on Tuesday, the event will be over. But he's looking at um, at trying to get some of them medals going. Thanks, Dallas, for the Ooh. beard comment. I am growing out my beard, and uh, it's it's pretty much on point. In fact, I can lick it. I can lick my beard from my mouth. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, I forgot to put beard butter in it, though. Got to watch the video nasty. on YouTube, guys, to watch that awesome beard licking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Destiny 2 Guardian Games event, great. It's over, but we still have 30 days left in the season, which means we can still go through, do all the Seraph Tower shit, which is like this new game mode that's really hard, but it's just like running this one event on Earth or whatever other planet that you're on, um, throwing balls into holes, which is most Destiny puzzle gameplay. It's just throwing balls into holes, and it was so fun, though. Love it. Extremely and then we played fun. Mario Kart. We have a new game night, Holden. We have Thursday night game nights, which is like everything game night. We can play whatever the fuck we want. And then we have Friday game nights where we're forced to play something else. And it's Nintendo themed. And I like it. <laughs> we played Mario Kart. Um, found out that I don't know what it was about that night that I was, I was doing very poorly. Usually Mario Kart, I'm like first, second, third. If I'm playing with you, I'm second. If I'm not playing with you, I'm usually first. And something about that night, I was finishing in 10th. I was finishing in like 7th and shit like that. I don't know what was going on. I think maybe, maybe, I might have herpes. I also set the difficulty, because I was the host for um, for the room. I set the difficulty for the CPUs too hard. Which might oh, fuck. You asshole. I just find normals too easy, so I put it on hard. Yeah, you're right. You true, Ka. You true. I love that game. That's so good. What did you play? I just want to play more of it, and then I don't. Well, I played Mario Kart, which was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had John Hansen from Pixel Street Podcast there, as well as... Yeah, shout out to John. I think that was the first time that he's played on a game night with us. Question mark? He was there for an Animal Crossing game night, but embarrassingly, <gasps> I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know it was him immediately, and then I was telling Dallas like, "Well, I guess no one showed up," and we just left. And I felt awful. I felt like <gasps> such an asshole after that. Yeah, so I was glad to see John and actually incorporate and have John be a part of a Nintendo night. That was that was nice. He's shout out to John, really fucking good at Mario Kart. He's awesome at Mario Kart. <laughs> um, so that that was a really fun night. Um, with Nintendo night, just as like a uh. 
kind of stating what it is in the podcast. I don't think we've really done that officially. It's sort of last week where I teased it. Every month, we're going to pick one Nintendo game to focus on for that month. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, so Mario Kart will be the game for May, and then June will have a new game, and then so on and so forth. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a good time. Check us out every Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, for our Patreon supporters. We'll be on Discord. Yep. We can talk. We can play games. Shoot the shit. Hashtag patrons only. If you want to come play with us, patreon.com slash respawn name fire. One dollar. That's all it takes. All it takes. Um, I also, shockingly, I played more Animal Crossing New Horizons oh, this week. Oh, fuck you. Um, I don't really have anything new to say about Animal Crossing New Horizons, but before we started recording, I came across this Twitter thread that I think I just lost. Oh, no. Um, and it was really sweet. It was from one of the developers of Animal Crossing talking about their positive experience seeing people discussing the game, sharing memes about the game, and I lost the tweet. I don't have it, so I can't read it. But oh it was my really god! Sweet. You built this up too, leading into the podcast. You're like, I just want to. I want to read you the whole thread, and then I was like, right now, are you gonna read it right now? And then you didn't. I was like, oh, you mean on the podcast? So now I've been thinking about it for however many minutes we've been streaming. <clears throat> Twenty three. <laughs> <sighs> Wait a second. I think I might know where it went. I found it. I found it. Here it is. So this is Rob um, Herrett, who um, is a, a worked on Animal Crossing. It sounds like for writing. He said, during the localization of Animal Crossing New Horizons, we joked repeatedly that we were building the next five to ten years worth of memes. We knew the game would be big, but we obviously couldn't have imagined the real world circumstances of its release. We never had a time like this where safety and responsibility to one another uh, keep us physically distant and digital tools have taken the place of face-to-face -face contact. But Zoom and Twitter and other platforms are by design rather plain. Animal Crossing is different. The Animal Crossing aesthetic is cute. I've seen people observing that even the tarantulas are cute. Even the chairs are cute. But it's more than cuteness. It's comfort. It's positivity. It's a retreat. If you've played the game, you're tired of the sea bass joke. I get it. I'm tired of the sea bass joke, and I wrote it. But here's a secret about the sea bass joke. It was originally, quote, I caught a sea bass. Well, maybe a sea minus bass. And when we were workshopping <laughs> the fish jokes, so much. <laughs> <laughs> and when we were working on the fish jokes, someone pointed out that as a joke, people were going to see many, many times. Generally, along with disappointment, they didn't catch something better. Maybe it'd be a better. Um, it'd be better to spin it positive, make it a C plus instead. From a comedy, um, comedy mechanics perspective, it's the same joke, relying on the homophones of C the sea ocean and see the letter to change how you perceive the description of the animal and let's be honest it would work better as a verbal joke if it than it does in print but that fish has sailed anyway my point is we're doing our very best down to the details you might not have considered to make the most positive comforting funny game we could and i know the dev team was doing the same so it's been humbling to see this thing we worked on become so important to people in part um, in part because of the weird accident of history that it was released during this scary ass time it wasn't really um, i wasn't really surprised when people started having their birthday parties in the game hell mine's next week and i'll be doing it after all the game has specific mechanics to acknowledge your birthday so it's a bit of a no-brainer but today i saw a screenshot um, from someone who unable to visit their real mother's grave for mother's day created a place in the game to visit and that feels important not only is animal crossing new horizons a safe pleasant perpetually smiling space it's a world of its own that the player can shape to their whim obviously the real world feels out of control right now 
now. So, to th- um, so that, I think, is the secret sauce to this game. When Nintendo first showed off the terraforming options in the game, I saw a lot of jokes about, quote, the last game made you a mayor, this one makes you a god. But in the time of COVID-19, we don't need to be gods. We just need agency. We need, the, um, we need a comfortable bed where we can arrange the blankets just how we like them. That feels like the single most important part of the game's popularity to me. Anyway, it's an honor to have been involved in a small way in this thing. Here's hoping we don't need the eventual next game in the franchise quite so much. I thought that was sweet. That is sweet. Um, based how on what nice. you just read, the New York Times would like to issue a correction uh, mm-hmm. about... 14 minutes ago, I said yep. two words, here and here. And then I called them homonyms. They are, in fact, homophones, as your Animal mm-hmm. Crossing thing just pointed out. Homophones mm-hmm. are two words that sound the same, but are spelled differently. Homonyms are two words that are spelled the same, but mean different things. Um, that's Thank it. you, New York Times. You're your reporting welcome. is truly the record of history. Yes. Thank you. No, that's really cute. I agree with everything they said. I just wish I, I felt, I, I wish I enjoyed it. But no, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful game. Came out at just the perfect time. And I'm glad people are finding so much joy in it. Yeah. I, I did like that little note about the C bass joke and how it used to be C minus, but they wanted a positive spin on it. So they made it a C plus instead. That's a, like a funny little thing. I support that. Um, the other thing I played this week was Super Mario Maker 2. So playing a lot more of that. I am a good chunk into my first world at this point and making my first world. Um, that should be finished by the end of this week. What's the theme for your world? I'm just going for this kind of a standard open first world, not open world, a a first world in a Mario game. So I'm trying not to make it too difficult, but I am, I've been going back and playing New Super Mario Bros. Deluxe to kind of say like, hey, what is Acorn Plains, the first area in that game look like in terms of difficulty? And I'm like, to me, it's too easy to be fun. Um, as like a standalone world, I usually like to get past the first world so I can get to the other world. So I'm trying to like make it a little bit more challenging, but not so much so that it's it's you know bothersome. Um, Do you see yourself making and- a full eight? eight world super world or do you think like this is your one world that you want to perfect and make it done i have a plan for five worlds whoa almost a full yoshi's island super mario world 2 game not quite because each world can only be five levels and i want to have like my structure i'm going for each world is going to be that there's and i haven't done the night world yet but uh night um level yet but i want every world to have one like super challenging level that you can can beat after you've beaten the first level of that world. And if you can beat the super, super challenging level, you can go right to the castle. So I'm kind of like using that as a structure. Wait, can you explain that and again? How does... Wait, what? So basically, you can set up um, the pipes in your world layout. Not the level, but the world layout. And so what you can do is have branching paths. And one of the branching paths will take you to a very difficult level. That if you beat it, will let you go to a pipe, and that pipe brings you right to the castle at the end of the world. Okay. And you can skip all the other levels to, to get there. But it's a lot more challenging. Gotcha. So it's, yeah, it's a balancing act. I forgot where I was actually, how I was connecting that in. Um, but yeah, so kind of like the structure of mine, like what each world's like going to look like. I know what each world's theme is going to be. Um, it's fun. It's fun. I also like think I'm most proud of what I just did recently is I made a boss battle that I actually think is kind of clever. I really didn't want to have like a boss battle that was just you jump on that enemy's head and then that's it. Right. That's how most bosses are in Mario. I wanted to 
what I tried to do was take the mechanic that I uh, focused on in that level and apply it to the boss battle. And so, like, for the first boss battle, I think it turned out pretty well. But I have to, like, tweak some things still. Uh, but it's, it's a ton of fun. Once I Now that I kind of feel comfortable with the different tools that are there in the game, I find it more entertaining to actually jump in and try things and experiment. Because it's really overwhelming at first when you have all these different options. Where do I even begin? And I think that if anyone wants to play the game, my recommendation is watch the Game Maker's Toolkit video on YouTube about how a Mario level is structured in terms of like kind of getting a starting ground for what you want to do in your level and then kind of go from there. Um, and none of these yeah, are public yet for our audience to play, right? Only The only one that's public right now is the very first level. Can we share um, the code in our notes? Sure. <laughs> we don't have to if you don't want to. I, I mean, I... I, I'm happy with the level. I just I don't know. I kind of want to release the world at, at all okay, at one okay, time okay, for okay. for public consumption because <laughs> I gotta hype it up. You know, it's a big deal me releasing a Mario <laughs> world. <laughs> um, that's all I played this week. Chad, do you have anything else to add? No. All right, moving on to the fetch quests this week. Got some good fetch quests this week. First off, Diablo 2 Remastered reportedly being developed by Vicarious Visions. Thank you, Zarmenicon at PlayStation Lifestyle. Give me a hell yeah in the chat if you're excited for D2. (laughs) There's a delay, so I'll read it later. No, I know you're pumped. This is one of your favorite games. The studio handling what's going to be dubbed, apparently, Diablo 2 Resurrected also worked on the Crash Bandicoot remasters, many Guitar Hero titles, uh, PC port of Destiny 2, and everyone's favorite, Kung Fu Panda on Nintendo DS. I actually looked up the full list of everything they made. They made... Do you remember Guitar Hero on tour? Yes, I do. It was was like the DS version. That was the DS one with the extra little thing that you put on the thing with the goddams. Yeah. Yeah, that I was remember actually Guitar Hero really I never played it because I didn't have a DS at the time, but that was a fart. Um, hi, question. <laughs> this is awesome. It's been rumored yeah. a lot in the past. Uh, they've, I've, there have been people talking about the difficulties of remastering or remaking Diablo 2 because it's a 4x3 screen, and then opening it widescreen yep. like, literally breaks some of the mechanics. Like Enemies mm-hmm. that aren't supposed to see you yet because they're far enough off screen now suddenly yeah. you can see you or are available for you to kill. But holy goddamn, this is one of the games that I've probably sunk the most hours to in my entire life, and I can't wait. It's so good. Like, Diablo 3 is really good, but Diablo 2 is so good. The only thing about this that makes me curious <laughs> is that many of the characters, playable characters in Diablo 2, like the Druid and the Sorceress, are coming back for Diablo 4. So, like, do they want to tire people out on these characters? Like, oh, I played for the Druid for 200 hours in Diablo 2, resurrected. Now I'm going to play him him again in Diablo 4. Like, ugh. Although that werebear, that werebear's a beast, literally. (laughs) But the werewolf, oh, God, with feral rage and fury. Oh, a little spinning orb around you, just getting bigger and bigger and bigger until you bust a nut. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Well, if so, this is rumored to be... If the rumors are true, and of course COVID could always change things, it's supposed to be coming out late 2020, so later on this year, basically, end of this year. We don't really have a date for, or any sort of time frame for Diablo 4 yet. So nope. it could be that that comes out in like 2022, 2023, and it's been a few years between, maybe, and they're kind of releasing this to hold um, hold off. But on that note of like challenging to remaster, 
apparently there's a lot of assets they just don't have anymore so you'd have to recreate a lot of the games so it'd be more than just like an up-res it literally would be almost a remake in a lot of it'd be like forced into being a remake almost you would have to because uh, quite honestly looking in that game like if you look up screenshots and stuff like that like the character models of these characters on the screen look pixelated and trashy as hell by today's standards there's no way you could mm-hmm. just go grab those and just make them hd textures you would have to recreate all the character models, all the enemies, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yuck. Um, next thing on the fetch quest. This actually just happened minutes before we started recording. Pete Hines had some interesting comments about Elder Scrolls 6 <gasps> on Twitter. So this guy named Quentin Myers, who I looked at his account. I think he's just a fan of, of Elder Scrolls. He said, all right, check out, um, check it out at DC Deacon, who's Pete Hines at... Um, Epithesta. He said, let's cut the shit. When can we expect some info on hashtag Elder Scrolls 6? We need this Bethesda Elder Scrolls Xbox Series X. He does the clap thing. I appreciate you um, clapping along with the claps. You got to. You got to. And then even though the guy said, let's cut the shit, which I, if I were a VP of marketing, I don't know if I'd respond to that. But Pete Hines did, and he was burned it very well. He said, it's after Starfield, which you pretty much know nothing about. So if you're coming <laughs> at me for details now and not years from now, I'm failing to properly manage your expectations, um, which is a good way of putting it. Um, yeah. So basically, it's not happening for a while. And he literally says, um, not... Um, so if you're coming at me uh, for, for details now and not years from now, so th- they're just saying details will be coming years from now. Not even the game will be coming out years from now. So that's uh, that's surprising. That's surprising. Uh, Matt, I got good news for you. Fast and Furious Crossroad release date announcement to be made in the coming weeks. Thank you to Logan Moore at Dual Shockers. Logan Moore actually reached out to Bandai Namco regarding any updates to Crossroads release date, and Bandai Namco, Bandai Namco responded, and they said an announcement regarding the Fast and Furious Crossroads release date will be made in the upcoming weeks. I'd imagine it's probably going to be part of um, Summer Game Fest with Jeff Keighley, since he unveiled it for Game Awards. It's probably going to be part of that, is is my guess. So look forward yeah. to that, Matt. Fortnite has over 350 million players. Whoa! Last player update we got was 200 million players in November 2018. So in like a year and a half, they've increased uh, by 150 million. That's, Do we ha- that's almost double. Do we yeah. have a... What that means is that people who have ever played the game, like active monthly users, is that I was wondering created? the same thing. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. I'm assuming because that number is so high, it can't be monthly active. That would be insane. It was monthly active. Um, it's probably just like I'm probably in that 350 million, even though I've only played it twice. They did say, yeah. actually, if you know what? no, I if think I've they, downloaded I, the game, but I've never opened it, it do I count well, towards I, that? I think they do clarify, actually, because there's something in there that the average players, um, time the players have played is nine hours. Epic also revealed that its users have spent a total of 3.2 billion hours in game, meaning that users have played the game for an average of nine hours each. Um, that's, and no matter what, that's still insane. It's, that... it's still insane, yeah. God, imagine how much money they've made yeah, from it's, that. Here it is. Fortnite now has over 350 million registered players is what the tweet, the wording from the tweet that uh, Fortnite put out. So yeah, it's not monthly active. It's definitely just 
the cumulative number across its lifetime, which is still really fucking impressive. Yeah. Speaking of fucking impressive, not to that degree impressive, but impressive in its own right, report Half-Life Alex brought 1 million new VR users to Steam. That's where it also comes from Alex Calvin at PC Games Insider. Um, that's a great get for, for VR then, because VR yeah. needs the help. Chad, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. Academy Award-winning actress Kate Blanchett in talks to star in Borderlands movie as Lilith. Okay, so Brian first Schaefer, of all, Kate Blanchett is a badass. Lady Galadriel from the Lord of the Rings series is Kate Blanchett. And um, Lilith, Lilith is a badass. So, boom. I'm totally into it. Also, this movie was apparently... Fuck, who was going to... It was the peop- the person who did the Hostile movies is apparently going to do Borderlands, which is a little off-putting for me, but I don't know. I-, I would have to see her in the role, but I'm not against it at all, and I think she could do really well as Lilith. But the movie as a whole, I'd have to see, like, what kind of direction is this going? Yeah, it's being directed by Eli Roth, which That's I don't think he's it. a terrible... Yeah, he's not a terrible director, um, but I wouldn't consider him like the like, upper echelon great, but I do think that his style would work well with Borderlands. Do you know who's writing it, though? This is interesting. Yes, I do. It's Carol Burnett. (laughs) 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 No, I have no clue. No, it's actually Carol Baskins. Carol Carol, Baskins is working. Hey, all you cats and kittens out there, it's me, Carol Baskins. (laughs) That goddamn Um, Carol Baskins. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, though, wouldn't... Uh, Joe Exotic make a really good character in Borderlands. Oh God, he would make an excellent like boss or enemy or villain. That's what I'm looking for. Movies call them villains. Yeah. So Craig Mazin, who uh, is, made Chernobyl, who wrote Chernobyl, yeah. and is working on The Last of Us Part Two, or Last Part Two, The Last of Us HBO series, he's writing the Borderlands oh, movie. Oh, you have my arousal. Could be a mixed bag there. He's most known for comedies, and his comedies aren't. The greatest, I'll just say that. They're, I think his like best received comedy was Identity Thief, the Jason Bateman, Melissa McCarthy okay, movie. But that movie was also kind of funny. So <laughs> that's, his, that's his high bar. That's his high bar for comedy. He also made The Hangover Part 2 and 3, which were not nearly as good as Part 1. Yeah. So I'll say his drama is where he's at, I think. Anyway. Anyway. Destiny 2 has been confirmed for Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. Uh, but there's no word on smart delivery support, what that will look like in terms of like moving your character over, all that stuff. We just know that you'll be able to play Destiny 2 on um, the next-gen consoles. I have to imagine, because of crossplay and all of that that's happened with Destiny this year, obviously vanilla Destiny is free everywhere. So you'll be able yeah. to get that no problem on these new consoles. And then your character already carries across Stadia, Xbox, PlayStation. So I imagine yeah. that's totally going to be fine. The only thing that will be a TBA is your DLC that you've purchased. Like if I have Shadowkeep on PS4, mm-hmm. is that going to carry over to PS5? If I have it on Xbox, is that going to carry over to, to Xbox Series X? Which I can't imagine they wouldn't. I agree. I found it really strange they didn't even just say smart delivery because I feel like if you're announcing a game, especially a game that in this case has been out for a long time, I feel like it would just make sense to be like, yeah, it's smart delivery, but we can't talk about other consoles yet that haven't been like officially revealed. Like, I That's what other companies have been saying, so I, I find it strange they didn't at least just say one half of it. I wonder if because the game is free to play, 
that smart delivery like technically doesn't apply to it because yeah. all that would have to carry over is DLC and purchase content. Mm-hmm. So you like I don't know if like technically under the definition yeah. of smart delivery you can't call it that. Yeah. The other thing too is that technically this is just saying that they're going to be enhanced for Series X and PlayStation Five, but the Xbox One version will play on a Series X regardless. So your DLC will carry over that way anyway, irregardlessly. So yeah. it, it would have to include it. So they're not saying anything right now, but I think you're right. I think it's probably going to be a pretty smooth transition. Um, but because of that Xbox Series X and PlayStation Five support, uh, don't expect Destiny Three until Fall 2023 at the Ooh. earliest. If it ever comes at all, according to Chandler Wood at PlayStation Lifestyle. So Destiny 2 support will last for another three years, which suggests that Destiny 3 won't arrive until you know fall 2023 at the earliest. Chad, you're a big Destiny fan. How does yeah. that make you feel? So Matt and I were actually talking Excuse about me. this the other night while playing Destiny 2, and we pretty mm-hmm. much came to the conclusion that if they just show a, like a short video of someone clicking on a menu item or clicking on a destination... And they're there before 90 seconds has passed. That's great. <laughs> That's all we need. We don't need a Destiny 3. I just need a Destiny 2 that loads in any reasonable amount of time. Um, so, yeah, I don't need a Destiny 3. Just keep supporting it with cool content that they're already doing. But when that Destiny 3 does come, you best believe my eyes are going to cream all over the screen. It's going to be like, ah! Like a freaking concussive <laughs> blast from Cyclops. But I cream. So let me ask you this, too. Yeah. Um... Destiny 1 came out as a cross-gen title. It was on Xbox 360, PS3, Xbox One, and PS4. Um, and the Destiny 2 was next-gen exclusive. Well, next-gen exclusive at the time was next-gen. Now right. it's current-gen. Do you feel like Destiny 2 was improved a lot by being on PS4 and Xbox One exclusively and had to worry about those older consoles? Because like that could benefit Destiny 3 since it's most likely going to be a next-gen-only title if it's coming out that late. No, I mean, quite honestly, when Destiny 2 came out, part of the discussion and and hate around it was that it was even a step backwards from the previous Destiny. They're like, all the things that they had built up Destiny 1 to be by the time it, its life cycle ended, Destiny 2 is, like, missing so much of that, that stuff. So it was a step backwards. So I don't believe that, like, a next-gen specific one... Uh, most of what changed from 1 to 2 was a slightly more focused... Um, uh, more more focus on the narrative of the game through the opening missions, and then a little bit of a, a rework of how some of the systems work. But uh, after all of that, like most of the gameplay is still very very similar to what you found from Destiny One, from what I can remember. It's been a long time since I played Destiny One. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't think a next gen specific one is going to be very very different at all, or benefit from being next gen only. The only like literally the only thing I can think of that they can improve on right now that I would want is load times, which I don't know if they can do on console because of connecting to the internet and speeds and connecting to those mm-hmm. servers. Whereas the reason we see that happening so quickly on Stadia is because they are, the servers are the console. So you don't have to worry about transmitting that information back and forth. So I don't know. Yeah. All of this is to say, I don't know, but I want it. <laughs> One thing I do want to know about you, Chad, I want to know what you think about the last of us part two official story. Ooh. trailer. Holden, ooh, Holden. I watched this trailer one time, and I said, thank you for the themed con, like, all the- telling me the themes of what this game will be tackling, and thank you for not telling me anything else about this game. I don't want to know, like, the 
any specifics about the story. And I felt like this did, it had a lot of out of context quotes that sounded like they were going to get you like feeling a certain way, but I didn't, I don't really know about the story and where we're going. And I'm totally okay with that. And I'm not going to watch another single thing about this game. Well, it's the that last trailer. So that's right. The last trailer, the game yeah, has gone it. gold. So it's done. Mm-hmm. I can't. June nineteenth. June nineteenth. Twenty three nineteen. All right. Moving on to the Microsoft Quest log. Even with the disparity in messaging coming from Sony and Microsoft's next generation, there is one thing we don't know about either console: price. From Zormenikon of PlayStation Lifestyle. Microsoft can undercut PS5 price, according to analysts. So after Microsoft's first Xbox 2020 event, uh, Jeff Keighley got Michael Pachter, who's the analyst for Wedbush, and Peter Moore, who is the so long list here of, of titles. He's the former president of Sega of America, the former VP of Microsoft's interactive entertainment division for Xbox and Xbox 360, and he's the former head of EA Sports. So he knows some shit. And Jeff Keighley got those two people, Michael Pachter and Peter Moore, to talk about Xbox Next Generation plans after seeing this event. Part of the discussion focused on the Series X pricing. Michael Pachter seems certain Microsoft wants Sony to announced price first, allowing Series X to severely undercut PS5's price, potentially by $100, which could theoretically mean Series X will cost $400. And he quoted $400. Now, Peter Moore, who has a lot of experience as a CEO for video game companies, including making hardware, just followed suit with that line of thinking, um, pointing out that whichever console sells 10 million units first usually wins the generation. Taking a hit on price for the first 12 to 18 months would only be a short-term loss compared to the fortunes that come with being the best-selling console. Chad, we've discussed rumors of PS5's kind of 500 to 550 price point. Does this Xbox Series X price seem even possible given its specs? Would Microsoft take a huge loss on their box? I have two thoughts about this. Yeah. The first thought is, and I always come back to this quote, the quote from Phil Spencer saying, with the PS4, Xbox, genera- Xbox One generation, the PlayStation beat us on power and price. And we won't let either of those two things happen again this time. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, all the specs are out for both consoles. Xbox is more powerful in a lot of different areas than the PlayStation 5 will be. But then the price is the next part of it. And the further along in the year we get, and the further along in the press cycle, the less I'm convinced that there will be a second Xbox coming out this fall. There's always yeah. the rumor of Lockhart and Anaconda. One powerful version, one kind of cheaper version. And yeah, the further we get along, the more information we find out, like the optimized for Series X badge that goes on things. like that, Releasing that badge at the same time as another console that doesn't get that badge on it, it could be kind of confusing to the consumers. Yeah. And if that's not a possibility, again, I'm not sold on that not being a possibility, but I'm less positive on it than I was before. It's so hard to know. I've been going back and forth myself on that. It's, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, keep going. So if that's not a possibility, or if that's not going to happen, then by Phil Spencer's own quote, like, this has got to be the case. $400 is, if the console costs $500 or close to it, like it's definitely been shown from all the parts and things like that to, to cost, and they take a $100 loss, I feel like they can't go any cheaper on that without being destroyed. Um, so yeah, $400 PS5, I really think it's going to cost more. We've talked about this, the, the hard drive itself, just going to be driving up that cost a lot. Yeah. But the second thing about this is um, something that I also forgot. So you take, you talk a second, I'll remember it. <laughs> yeah, so I was 
one of the things that Patrick pointed out in, in the video, it's about a half hour long, but it's a really interesting um, listen. They don't really talk about the announcements in the event. They just talk about like the consoles generally. And Michael Patrick makes this really good point that Microsoft has this insane market value where I don't know where it's at currently right now, but they passed a trillion dollars like you know, in the, within the past year. Like, they're huge, 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 huge. It doesn't mean they have a trillion dollars on hand, but it means they got a lot of money backing them. Sony as a whole company, not just PlayStation, Sony as a whole, their market cap is like 70 to 80 billion. So, like, Microsoft is just massive in comparison. They can take a hundreds of dollar hit on their box to get to that 10 million that that Peter Moore had had mentioned. Now that 10 million isn't like a hard fast rule. There are definitely situations where like Xbox 360 got to 10 million first, but I mean depending on how you analyze that generation it's either a mixed bag or Sony came out on top of the end. Um so like it's not a definitive like you have to 10 million first, but I think there's a lot of truth to that statement. And I think that's more important to Microsoft because if they can get that install base and they take a loss by getting that install base, they will make it up on their services. They'll make it up on Game Pass, they'll make it up on Xbox Live. They'll make it up on like all these other um, service avenues that Sony, yeah, they have PlayStation now, but I don't think they're hitting the ground running in the same way that Microsoft was able to and hitting the ground running is a poor term here like i don't know if hitting the ground running delayed by seven years is really a thing <laughs> but um but yeah i think that microsoft has the flexibility that sony doesn't microsoft doesn't rely on xbox to make money for the rest of the company as opposed to sony who really does rely on playstation to bring in a lot of money um into sony as a company itself Right. There Whereas have been so Microsoft's, many financial reports where like PlayStation was the only wing of Sony Sony that made money this quarter. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Their smartphones don't do super well um, in comparison to other smartphones, and they just haven't really gotten as big uh, as PlayStation's gotten. Like that's their big marquee product. They can't take a risk like that. And I think it's gonna look really bad for Sony if this is true, where they come out at five hundred dollars and Microsoft undercuts them by 100 at $400. And even though they have that really fancy SSD that's really nice and obviously will have huge improvements uh, for game design and all sorts of other advancements we just really can't think of yet or uh, um, imagine yet, Microsoft's, Microsoft's going to have really good-looking games and they're going to be able to show off much more easily how their console is more powerful in an advertisement than how, and we'll talk about this later on, we talk about the Xbox event, they'll have an easier time showing off the processing power of the Series X than Sony will have showing off the SSD. Yeah. And it's it's really, yeah, that's what I have to say. But I remember what my second thing was. You brought up yeah. services, and one of the things I wanted to kind of relate this to is Game Pass, and how mm -hmm. the, obviously the value of Game Pass is incredible, mm -hmm. and no one paying the $15 a month for Game Pass Ultimate or nine bucks, $9.99 for a regular Game Pass or so often $1 a month for Game Pass if you get it on deals like <laughs> I do all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, that's not the same as paying 60 bucks for every single one of the games that's featured on there. But somehow, they aren't losing money on Game Pass. Like, they're making money. And they've, they've come out and said, yeah, this is actually, like, this is not something that we plan to offer at a lower price for now and then in the future turn it into a profit machine like it's making money so the $400 like taking a $100 hit on each of these consoles they have some kind of plan some way that they're the magic behind uh, licensing the magic behind uh, the their cut of every single game that's sold of, of driving all of these new customers to these other games whether it's via game pass or buying them a la carte like they're gonna make that money back 
for sure. And if that's the difference Absolutely. between them making money from 30 million customers versus 110 million customers, like, yeah, it's worth making that investment, taking that loss up front in order to make that back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't think on top of that, too, that is that, oh, um, Xbox All Access. Like, if they're at $400, they're already undercutting the PS5 on price. But then you also include Xbox All Access as another easy barrier to, to get That's in. That's their subscription like, plan, oh, paying, like, yeah, 30 bucks a month or whatever for it. Like, holy shit. That's, like, this should... that that The Xbox All Access alone should worry Sony. But $400 on top of everything else, like, that's... It's going to be really interesting to see this play out if that is the case. And I totally... I think four hundred dollars is a little low. I don't think they have to go quite that low. I think they could undercut by like fifty to four fifty. Um, that would work, or even matching the price, but saying, "Hey, it comes with the year of Game Pass." Like doing something like yeah. that, like that would be enough as as well. But I think it was Phil Spencer saying that Satina Della gave Phil Spencer the blank check of just like whatever you need us to do, like we'll we'll do it. We're fully behind you. So yeah, it's gonna be really, really interesting to see it play out. Another part I actually forgot to put in the note here that um, was in the full video, not in the article that Zermana Khan wrote, uh, is that Michael Pactor's like, they'll, Microsoft will keep waiting. They'll just keep waiting until Sony announces their price. He's like, they could wait until fall if they wanted to. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd go that far. I don't know if I'd go as far as say like in October, we'll finally hear the price of these consoles. Maybe I'll eat my words there. Who knows? But it, he seems very convinced. And I think he's right that Microsoft will wait as long as they need to to let Sony announce the price first. Which is kind of troubling because we've seen from a lot of reports that that's what Sony is going back and forth on and they're really struggling with is figuring out the price of this thing and how it compares to Microsoft. And one of the things they that we've seen just from the rumors is that they're wondering if they want to take a loss on the console or make a profit. And from the rumors we know about, the 500 to 550 would be profitable for them. But if they decide to take a hit and go for 400 instead... That's probably the move to make right now. I think it's worth them taking that hit and then bolstering their own services to help make money that way. Because if they lose a large install base to Microsoft, that's really problematic for them. And it would be hard to recover considering that's Sony's bread and butter right now. But would it matter... If the Xbox doesn't have any good games on it. Dun, dun, dun. Teaser for later Whoa. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on, though, to Sony's quest log. It seems like every week there's a new rumor of when Sony will announce new PS5 information. And this week is no different. Report uh, from Bianca Reeves of PlayStation Lifestyle. A PlayStation 5 event could happen in early to mid-June. I feel like we've heard so many rumors about this is when the next <laughs> PS5 event's going to be. But this one comes from Jason Schreier, who guested on Press Start Podcast and was asked about Sony's uh, next PS5 announcement. Because of COVID, Jason disclaimed that anything regarding unannounced events should be taken with a heavy grain of salt. Um, but he does think that we might hear more details before early to mid-June. Now, I don't know if he was talking about maybe the official PlayStation magazine saying that they're going to talk about more games. I don't know if that counts for him as something new they're showing off. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that's a good timing for them? There's There was also a, like, a leaker who's gotten some things correct, but also a lot of things wrong in the past. I don't remember their name, yeah. but there was a leaker who said, by the way, PS5 reveal event is on June 4th. 
which would yeah. happen to line up with what actually Jason that was said. mentioned in this article. Was what it was that person's name? Yeah. Nice. Um, so it, it seems like there are things pointing to this, but again, heavy grain of salt. There are unannounced events that might have been affected by COVID, and whether it's the event itself or the strategy of when they release it could change. But uh, Venture Beats Jeff Grubb, he's the one who said that on June 4th, the PS5 event will, will occur. Gotcha. Perfect. Um, yeah, I think I think the world is ready. I think w- the world is ready to hear what's next. They're ready to see the <laughs> More boxes. More than ready. They're, yeah. Um, and with Xbox now not just showing the box itself, but also showing third-party games what they look like and confirming that first-party games will be shown off in July's Xbox 2020, I think. Um, yeah. it's time for it's time for PlayStation Two. No, there'll be a June event for Microsoft as well. They're gonna do one every month. Yeah, but the, the first party dedicated one is July, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, the first party dedicated one is July. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll I'll hold off my thought on on this until we talk about the Microsoft event because they're very much related to each other. Right, they can't get married. Um, That's so, so close, they're related. They, <laughs> they can't uh so we'll, we'll move on for now but we'll return to that topic later on in the episode nintendo quest log nintendo ha- uh, held their very first financial call since covid and the news is coming out has been very positive the news that is coming out has been very positive switch sales top 55 million animal cross new horizons or horizons is over 11 million this is coming from andrew reiner at game informer so Switch sales are up 30% since last year. The lifetime Woo! sales are now over 55 million. Basically, a lot of the shortages and all that kind of stuff didn't actually hurt their business that much, apparently. They still were extremely ahead from the last year. That's that's good to hear. Software has also done very well. Following the, num- the following numbers um, only count for March 31st and before, unless I say otherwise. Um, so Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is 24.77 million copies. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, 18.84 million copies. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, 17.41, which is tied with 17.41 million, not 0.41 copies sold <laughs> to someone. Somebody broke a box in half and gave it to you. <laughs> um, no, someone's partially downloaded the file, and it didn't finish before the uh, end of March 31st. That's that's where it comes from, yeah. Super Mario Odyssey tied that with 17.41 million as well. Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu collectively did 11.97 million, which brings us to Animal Crossing New Horizons with 11.77 in March. But um, if you include all the sales in April for Animal Crossing, New Horizons actually sold 13.41 million copies, which is awesome. Very good Damn. for them. Daniel one thing that does do is it debunks a claim we had made in the podcast a little while ago actually I think that I specifically made in the podcast that Animal Crossing had sold I think it came from Superdata Animal Crossing had sold um, more copies than every other Animal Crossing game combined that's just blatantly not true if because of the 13.41 million number New Leaf alone sold 12.55 million copies and Wild World sold 11.7 million copies and those are only two of the games in the franchise so maybe for launches it outsold everything else combined but not in lifetime sales Uh, moving on um, before March 31st Splatoon sold 10.3 million units Super Mario Party 10.10 million units and finally New Super Mario Bros. Deluxe with 6.6 million units that's very impressive. Good for them. But suspiciously yeah. absent from the list, where's Pokemon yeah. Sword and Shield? That's a very good question. I don't know where it is, but that um sold better than Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is it was like seven seventeen point six million or something like that. I'm gonna look into that real quick for you. 
Yeah, you look in for that. Um, beyond all that, um, Nintendo earned almost $2 billion in digital sales this year, a 72% yearly increase. So it's just really good across the board. That was awesome. But not everything looks super great. Nintendo believes COVID-19 will have a negative impact on their business for the next year. So for next year's forecast, Nintendo estimates that revenues will be down 8.3% and profits down 22.7%. They also believe Switch hardware will be down 9.6% and software will be down 17%. Nintendo runs in contrast to many other com com game companies such as Blizzard and Zynga, which predict increases this year, but also they don't sell hardware. So that's important to, to factor in. Unlike Microsoft's messaging on COVID's impact on hardware, Nintendo believes that prolonged economic shutdowns will impact supply chains and switch production. Um, just th That's kind of a what if, though. Like if this you know, um, um, shutdown goes on long enough, not necessarily that it's happening right now. Nintendo also pointed out that the closure of many retail stores and people's limited time outside of the house will prevent sales that would have happened otherwise. I also wonder, um, that's all the facts for the story, I also wonder how much of that is just them wondering how much next-gen consoles will eat into Switch. Yeah, see if they're accounting for that, and people are going to be spending money on four or $500 consoles, so they're not going to want to yeah. spend money on a new Switch instead and software on it. Exactly, exactly. Those for the Pokemon record, numbers. for the record, Pokemon, according to Nintendo's own website, has sold 17.37 million since March 31st, which oh, puts okay. it just under Super Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. But comfortably over Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. Yeah. Imagine if Let's Go Pikachu uh, and Eevee sold more than Sword and Shield, how that would just change Ooh. Pokemon games forever. Yep. Oh, that'd be awful. That would be awful. Um, yeah, I'm really happy to hear this. I all this news just collectively because I do feel like the shortages of the console this year put a made me a little uncomfortable that maybe they weren't going to be doing as well as they could have but not at all they did well Nintendo just has a knack for doing that sometimes so good for them yeah that's awesome I'm I started to see like people saying the shortages are enough that like when one pops up, whether it's when they want or not, people are buying it anyway. Like I don't want to switch light, but that's the only one I could find right now. So I'm going to buy it. So people are wanting this console and COVID has yeah. not really affected that. It's just a, just a supply shortage issue. So if they can get that figured out as trying to turn mm -hmm. it back on, like they're going to be doing fine. Hold on. They're going to be doing fine. Yes. I also, another thing to consider too is, you know, we haven't heard they're doing the last half of 2020. We kind of speculated last week that maybe their internal development's not going as smoothly as it would have liked with the transition to at-home development. Maybe that's why they delayed the direct for June because they don't they didn't have confidence that those announcements would meet the deadlines in time uh, for the release dates. So maybe that, like that Mario All Stars game, for example. Maybe they think that if they don't have as many titles coming out this year to couple with the Switch, then it won't like yeah. entice people to buy as much. Like, there's a lot of things that it's just it's hard to know because Nintendo's been kind of tight-lipped this whole year. Yeah, that that could certainly contribute to it. If they're if they're saying that they're going to have a down year because of all of this, like it could be because we don't know if software is going to come out this year. We don't. We're not going to have a Pokemon Sword Shield. We're not going to have a Smash Bros Ultimate. We're not going to have a Super Mario Odyssey of the past three holidays. Yeah. So. If they don't have something like that, then, yeah, of course, they're going to expect that to take a dip. Yeah. And on top of that, the article mentioned, and I mentioned as well, that uh, Blizzard and Zynga um, didn't announce that they were 
expecting dips in their financials for the next year. And I wonder if Nintendo's just playing it smart and just saying, hey, we don't know what's going to happen with COVID. So it's more like we it's safer for us to say we're going to have a loss and then come back next year and say, actually, we improved than it would be if they said we were going to improve and there was a loss. Yep. Like playing that kind of stock market game that is probably a safer bet. And like I said, you can't lie to your stockholders. There wouldn't be a lie. It's just like a, hey, this is weird. We don't know. And there are some companies, I can't remember the company. One company even said we're not going to give out like quarterly estimates. I think it was even like, Apple. We're just not gonna I think do Apple was, they said, yeah. we're not going to give a, an estimate for whatever the quarter is coming up. Because mm-hmm. they just don't know. Yeah. It's impossible to tell. They just don't know. But Nintendo's not the only one who had a a financial event this week. So much fun, the financials. Financial Third party event? Quest. Oh, that sounds like there's going to be a party and caviar and <laughs> champagne. Third party quest log time. EA held their investor call this week too, and there was a lot of awesome little tidbits to speculate about, but also some straight up garbage we need to discuss. Good news first. Actually, Chai, what do you want first? You want good news or bad news first? Hold on, you already said good news first, and let's not tease the All people right. and not deliver because I always deliver. <laughs> let's do good news. So good news first. <laughs> Despite us not being the biggest fans of Jedi Fallen Order, I think we can both say we would welcome a sequel. And EA says there are more Jedi uh, Star Wars Jedi games to come. So during an investor call, Andrew Wilson, the CEO of EA, boasted about Jedi Fallen Order's 10 million sales milestone, calling it, quote, a rare achievement for a first title in an entirely new franchise. I would not necessarily call it an entirely new franchise. <laughs> right. It's an established IP <laughs> that people know about, and they can't wait to freaking put their dicks yeah. in it. <laughs> it's not Knack. Which was an entirely new franchise. No, we got we got no Knack Three the Knackenings drawings or posters from last week. We told oh, people upset. we want to see Knack Three the Knackening posters, and no one did it. <laughs> Outside of Knack Three the Knackening, there's more reasons to be excited for EA's upcoming games because EA HD title will be announced in the coming months, according to EA. Brianna Reeves at PlayStation Lifestyle. I'm sorry. Can so I, can I new- pause for just a second? Before yeah. we move on from the Star Wars Jedi game, do you see this yeah. being a, a Respawn game as well? Or do you see it like Respawn started the Jedi franchise franchise, and then they're just going to hand off spinoff games to other companies within EA? I don't know. I, I think it depends on if it's the same character or not, and they're going to keep um, that specific thread going, or if it will follow another Jedi or another time frame. Or like, we don't, I don't think we really know what this as a new entirely new franchise looks like yet so we'll kind of have to see but i mean i still want to see that style of gameplay come up i don't need to see is it cal castus is that his name cal is certainly his first name cal is his first name so yeah i i I don't care if we see him or not to be honest i just don't yeah the story of the game didn't speak to me because he was a redhead and i hate gingers just kidding my best friend's a ginger (laughs) um yeah, it's one of those things of I'll just wait and see what they announce and I'll play it because I I didn't like the first game, but I appreciated what it was trying to do. And from what I understand, that, the patches that they've released since the game came out have fixed most of the issues I had with the game when we reviewed it. So I've heard that too. There's a new game plus now as well. Yeah, that came out so for May the 4th. Kind of. <gasps> we kind said May the 4th. Tempted. Disney owns this podcast now. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm tempted to try out New Game Plus and just see if the combat got better, because that was my biggest complaint with the game, is that I had played Sekiro earlier that year, and that combat system is very, very similar to Jedi Fallen Orders, and it's also infinitely better. So it was hard to get into Jedi Fallen Order, because it didn't have the same weight of combat that Sekiro did. You played Sekiro? Yeah, I don't know if I ever mentioned that on the podcast before. I don't I think you have. Sekiro. I might. I'm, I'm really. T- I really want to play it again soon. Oh my god! Like really badly. That's insane. I I didn't even, but surely you didn't I just. Insane. You just beat it. Did you beat it? Oh, I beat it. I platinumed it. Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Holden, how did I not know this about you? Oh, shut up! You do this about me. I did. Let's continue. <laughs> So EA HD will announce uh, will be announced in the coming months, according to EA. Brianna Reeves' PlayStation Lifestyle informs us. Outside of a new Jedi Fallen Order title, Burnout Paradise Remaster for Switch, Command & Conquer Remaster for PC, and the usual sports titles, EA said a new, quote, EA HD title, end quote, will be released before March 31st, 2021. Investors pressed Andrew Wilson on HD remasters, asking if they'd be amused to fill in gaps left by COVID's impact. Wilson seems to have largely dodged discussing any HD remasters and instead had faith that big AAA titles like Dragon Age and Battlefield were still on track alongside sports titles and Apex Legends updates. Chad, what do you think this EA HD title is and why is it Mass Effect? Uh, yes, I do think it's Mass Effect and I think it's EA finally doing a 180 on their decision to say, no, people don't want to play remasters of games. We're not interested. And now they're remastering old games because people fucking love that shit. What, <laughs> what confuses me Wilson seems to uh, so asking if these games will fill in gaps left by COVID nineteen, and he says we've got really big faith in in our AAA titles like Dragon Age and Battlefield. Have we? Is Dragon Age confirmed for this year? Because I feel like that game got rebooted last year. It didn't get. I don't. Was that a was that a Jason Schreier article that it got rebooted? I don't remember. They announced it officially. They've officially they did announce announced it. to do Dragon Age game. Like a, I think not last year's. Game Awards for the year before that, I think. It was a Game Awards announcement, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was It was basically a title tease, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, nothing at all. It was, yeah. like, it literally just a Dragon Age. Didn't even say it was the fourth entry or whatever number. It, I think it would be the fourth one. Um, yeah, I think he was, I think Andrew Wilson was really just dodging the question and just not answering that question, I think, is, is the bigger thing. Because I agree. Like, saying, oh, no, 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 we're not using this to those HD remasters to fill in gaps because of delayed development on our bigger titles. Our big titles, like, two, one that's very far away, and one that's definitely not coming this year, because we've already said it's not coming this year, those are going great. <laughs> that's <laughs> a really... Those are really, that's a really weird statement. Um, but, you know, he has to hold his cards close to his chest, because there's a good chance that it could be Mass Effect like everyone wants it to be, and he doesn't want to say that. He wants it to be a big old announcement during the EA Play event at IGN Games uh, Summer of Gaming. Which is happening! So if it is indeed Mass Effect, the Nintendo Life pulled up some very good news for us. So that rumored HD remaster of the Mass Effect trilogy might also be coming to Switch. Thank <gasps> you, Liam Doolin at Nintendo Life, who pointed out that Jeff Grubb of VentureBeat, who has leaked many Nintendo announcements recently, such as Mario's 35th anniversary plans and the delayed June Direct, and then also what we talked about with um, the PlayStation stuff. What did he leak for PlayStation again? What was that? You mentioned it. Uh... Leaked my brain out my ears. That's what it was. <laughs> 100%. I don't remember. 
Um, so he believes that the EA HD title is indeed the Mass Effect trilogy, and it will come to Switch after other consoles. It was the June 4th event, revealing the PS5. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm... Oh, God. If they announce the Mass Effect trilogy, and even if they say, hey, it's going to come to Switch later, I will hold off for Switch. That is, like, a great place to play that game. <laughs> Oh, I'd want that. So I just bought them again on Xbox, and I would buy them again if they were on Switch. I was, Hands down. I was just thinking, like, how much better would a Switch version of these games be than the already Xbox One enhanced, like, backwards compatible versions? They wouldn't even look that good. Yeah, <laughs> right? It would look worse than those do. So, like, why would you, it why would would you play it again on Switch? I mean, it would look better than the 360 and PS3 versions for sure. But it wouldn't look as good as like a 4K up-res of Mass Effect on Xbox. That wouldn't happen. But it'd still be uh, on Switch and portable. And I love For all the those shit places those we're going right now. <laughs> yeah, all those places we're going. Well, I mean, bed, the couch. You're right. Those are places Project that X I can Cloud, go buddy. to. Have a Project TV X Cloud coming this year. <laughs> Outside of the Mass Effect trilogy, allegedly, and Burnout Paradise, EA's offerings on Switch are beginning to ramp up. EA will launch 14 games this year with, quote, multiple for Switch. Tom Phelps at Eurogamer tells us what these games are remains a total mystery for right now. We don't know what these other multiple games coming to Switch are, although, like we just said, it's probably going to be uh, Mass Effect trilogy based on our own speculation. But regardless, it's good to see EA's finally giving uh, the Switch some love because they really haven't been doing that at all. I actually think they they said they weren't going to make games for the Switch for a while. Right off the bat. Yeah, they, they yeah. supported it with, what, it was FIFA? It was like a really shitty version of oh, FIFA. Yeah. And, yeah, and no one wanted to said, buy it. No one wanted to play it. Right, and they're like, nope, oh, <laughs> nobody bought it, so we're not going to be supporting the Switch really at all. Yeah. And now finally the Switch has sold 55 million units and they can't ignore it. Another, like, yeah. Okay, I guess we'll do it, but we're gonna be really, really, really late to it. <laughs> uh, here's the thing, though, because with EA, there's always a, like a caveat. You can't just EA doesn't they can't do anything right exactly. Yep. <laughs> uh, unless it's Titanfall two. It's that they did that right exactly, except for the marketing of it. See, even there, they didn't do well, it. Well, and also, right. yeah. Sorry, I was trying to think. Was was Titanfall two? When Respawn was part of EA? Yeah. Okay. It was, because they released it, like, a week before Battlefield 5 or something like that. That's right. And so, right, like, no one paid right. attention to Titanfall 2. So, they botched the marketing, but that game was really good. So, anyway, <laughs> you're so EA dropped the ball this week. Um, they dropped the ball on cross-generational support going into the next generation. So, EA, this is from uh, Submit Sakar at uh, Polygon, EA is already making next-gen upgrades confusing, and... Dear God, why? So during Microsoft's Inside Xbox event this week, also known as the 2020 Xbox event, EA unveiled Madden NFL 21 with the promise of cross-generation support and a free upgrade to next-gen. They did not offer any caveats or any nope, asterisk. There was they no fine print the at the event, bottom of the screen. Nope. Nothing. And then it comes out that there's a time window on the free upgrades. NFL 21 must be bought for Xbox One before the end of the year, so before December 31st, 2020. And then you also have to buy your Xbox Series X before March 31st, 2020. So if you don't do that, then you have to then pay to get the Series X version and all these Series X enhancements. That's so stupid. There are so many things that are wrong yeah. with this. One... 
we're predicting a lot of supply shortages for these consoles at launch. There's no guarantee you'll be able to find one by March 31st. Two, yeah. um, what, is this, what does it cost? Do I buy it for full price and then have to pay full price again on the next one? Is it an upgrade fee of $10 like it was for the other cross-generation from PS3 to PS4? Like, there are so many things wrong with this. Does that even qualify as smart delivery? Like, can they legally... Well, not legally, because Xbox decides it, not the law. But can they put the smart delivery stamp on it if there's a timed window on it and nothing else has that stamp on it? Can they advertise yeah. this in the trailer, which lives forever? So if someone sees this trailer after December 31st, I'm like, oh, man, that's really cool. I can get this for free and upgrade, and then suddenly you're out of luck. There's so many things wrong with this. I hate it. It's also It also has that stupid like like rebate logic where, like, oh, uh, we'll give you this money back if you do the rebate. And they know no one's going to do it. So they know they're just they does like three bit doesn't really matter at all. And it's like I feel the same way about this where oh we put these time frames on it. So if you don't get it done before that, which no one will, then we get to charge people twice for the game. Isn't that awesome? But I also like I'm thinking about the people who play Madden aren't generally like super hardcore like players who would necessarily care about getting like 4K graphics in Madden. I think a lot of people who play Madden would be totally fine playing the Xbox One version of Madden on their Series X. If they don't want to like, because I can't imagine someone paying sixty bucks more to get an, a mildly improved version of a mildly improved game to begin with. Like it's just this is such a customer hostile thing. It's not surprising yeah. EA did it to play to, <laughs> to play devil's advocate kind of along those lines. My only thought process that makes this not okay but not as egregious is that. NFL Madden NFL is a yearly franchise that comes out in August every single year. And the people who want to buy that game will probably buy it in August or September. Like they're not going to be buying it after December 31st. With the exception of maybe somebody who's like picking it up used for 20 bucks at GameStop 3 years later is like, "Oh, Madden, yeah, great." Um so it's not really going to impact all of the hardcore fans cuz they're already going to have bought it before March 31st. And then if they're not, or sorry, December 31st. And then if they are the kind of people who are like, I want to play Madden now. And then they don't necessarily care about getting the newest console or the newest console even on time. Then by the time they do finally get their Series X and the next one's out on August 31st, they're not going to care about whether 21 was backwards compatible because they're going to have 22 mm -hmm. now. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't fucking, yeah, it's, it's a super, a super yeah. consumer hostile move on EA's part for no reason. I totally agree with you. I think I think what you said is completely spot on to the point where if there's that little amount of people who would actually utilize this upgrade to its fullest capabilities, they're not going to lose much money anyway. So yeah, like they'll make it all up in microtransactions to sell you a orange version of that jersey instead of a purple one, like whatever they decide to do. And if you're going to fuck it yeah. up like this, why even put smart delivery in there as an option at all? Like honestly, it would yeah. look worse for your company to announce we're supporting smart delivery with all of these caveats that are going to fuck you over than it would to be one of the other companies that are just kind of staying quiet and not saying we support it. Mm -hmm. it it's also especially amazing when you have a company like CD Projekt Red that is going to release one game for a while. And they're saying, yeah, absolutely. You buy it for Xbox One, it goes to Series X. Like they ha like CD Projekt Red has more on the line with, with Cyberpunk 2077 than EA will ever have with any of their sports titles ever like period yep so it's, just, it's just really surprising but this is the we're talking about so it's not surprising 
what is surprising is our next story. Our next story, I think, is super cool. It's not often that we get to see canceled projects, but this week we might have gotten one of the best-looking canceled projects that I have personally ever seen. So this is uh, a headline for Matthew Olson at Eurogamer. An abandoned Prince of Persia project surfaces on YouTube. Most surprisingly about this is the clip isn't new at all. It was first posted to YouTube on March 1st, 2012, so it's eight years old and got no attention. Um it's also worth mentioning that the footage isn't real gameplay, but it's pre-rendered to demonstrate uh, gameplay concepts. But with all that said, the t- game is called Prince of Persia Redemption, and it looks pretty much similar to what my uninformed view of Prince of Persia is. Like It seems very much like those other games, where you have combat, platforming, all in a third-person perspective, and then you have like some sort of time-reversing ability. The clip is about three minutes long. Did you watch the clip, Chad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's about three minutes long, and it's... Essentially, it looks like it's combining what we would look at nowadays as God of War and Uncharted and kind of combining them like into one, almost. I don't know if you got that vibe. That's kind of the vibe uh, that I got. Maybe like old school God of War. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Not not the new God of War for sure. Um, it, it looks very, very much actually like your traditional Prince of Persia. Not quite what you would see in like the updated one with Nolan North from 20 whatever year that was 2009 2008 um yeah but it's it 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 looks cool as a concept and it's like a cool little piece of of history that it's out there but i don't know looking at that trailer doesn't really do anything for me and i'm like not saying oh man i wish we would have gotten that game it it looks like more prince of persia which i really was uninterested outside of the Mm -hmm. one game i played on psp and then i really liked the nolan north reboot of it but the rest of it never did. I think for what me. I think what got me on this is keep, keeping in mind this is a demo for 2012, and it looks good for 2012. It looks really good for 2012, but again, it's pre-rendered. It's not actual gameplay. But I liked like, that concept they're going for, where you're essentially navigating on top of these buildings as all this pandemonium and chaos is happening. Buildings are collapsing and falling apart, and you don't know why. And then it's revealed that like this tentacle monster thing is coming out of the city and picking up the city on its back with it. Yeah. So you're trying to get up to the tentacle monster um, so you can follow it. So then you're then in the demo there they showed you're basically doing parkour on a moving city as you try to get to the front and kill this monster. And there's this totally got a war moment where you jump up to the monster and like go to stab it. I don't. I thought it, looked, it was a really cool demo. If I had seen that at E3 or something like that, I would have been very impressed and and pumping my fist in the air. Uh, I thought it looked really, really cool. <laughs> and there are rumors of a new Prince of Persia game, but this is totally unrelated. This has nothing to do with it. Yeah, there all. was... I, I don't remember who was saying this. I think it was one of the devs, or maybe somebody who worked um, at Ubisoft. But somebody was saying that usually pitches for Prince of Persia get turned down a lot more than other games at Ubisoft because... Ubisoft doesn't own all of the rights to Prince of Persia or all like they have to pay somebody else in order to license that. Mm -hmm. So it's less profitable for them. So that might be why we don't see this franchise as often as we see everything else that Ubisoft makes. But yeah, I, I like the idea of the franchise and it's cool. Like the, the quick time mechanics and, and, um, the world that it's in the rewind time. Like it's cool. I wouldn't mind seeing another. Yeah. Should I do an ad read? Yes, I do. Let me tell you about 
Respawn Aim Fire's parent company, Affable Idiots. Yeah, that's the brand that we fall under, along with our sister podcast, AAWI, and hopefully so much more, as long as we have your support, because we need a ton of things from you. But let's start with the free easy ones that literally take you none time. Amount, the amount of time that it takes a nun to roll down the hill. It <laughs> Got myself on that one. Uh, you need to go to YouTube. Are you on YouTube right now? Are you watching this? You need to go to your podcast service. Are you there right now? Are you watching this? Look in the description and then hit subscribe on the links of this page, of the AAWI page, and Affable Idiots because we need vanity names. YouTube.com slash Affable Idiots. YouTube.com slash Responding Fire. So we can easily tell you, hey, go to YouTube.com slash is what we have to tell you now, and that's garbage. So just do that. Go there. Create multiple accounts. Subscribe under multiple accounts. We're like a fifth of the way there on Responding Fire's account. Do your duty. Or we're going to come find you, and we're going to tell Dallas your address, and he's going to come murder you. <laughs> but again, allegedly. Like, Dallas is innocent until proven guilty, so prove him guilty. Second, go to your favorite podcast service, review us, leave us a review of five stars. If you leave us four stars, I don't even know why you're here right now. Next, finally go to patreon.com slash fire. You can give us a buck, and that will get you all of our Patreon-exclusive stuff, like we mentioned, our nintendo night our regular game night and our barf uh we have you get influence over barf each month as well so you can find out what we're gonna be playing a little bit early vote on it and that is uh what is it this month oh the order 1886 yeah we put out that poll our patrons voted that's what we're playing so whether you're a patron or not Download 1886 onto your ps4 play it along with us and then send us your thoughts on the game before the end of the month We'll talk about it on the air as we talk about the game. Okay, Dallas says, Cozy walked into the C4 charge. He was at fault. Nah. Nah, bro. Mm -mm. That's not what the people saw nope. on the screen just now. I just want to point out, too, Dallas usually is on the side of guilty, and conveniently, when he's on trial, he's innocent. Right? Just saying, Dallas. Hypocrite. Just Hypocrite. Saying. Tell him what it do. <laughs> If he only paid attention, he'd know I was. I always blow the hatch. I didn't know that, Dallas. I didn't know, I didn't that, know it, that. If somebody asked me, hey, does Dallas always blow the hatch? I'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What hatch? I know he blows Lost up two? Alex. I know Lost. he blows up Alex. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, he, I've seen him shoot me in up. the head. I've seen him blow up Alex. And this is all in real life. Are we talking about video mm -hmm. games? What hatch? See? <laughs> Let's move on to our main quest, Holdy. Main quest, Microsoft reveals third-party Series X games. Oh! <laughs> I don't know what that was. Since December, Hellblade 2 Senua's Saga has been our only glimpse of next-gen game footage. This week, that changed the announcements for Microsoft and screenshots of a new Lord of the Rings game, Lord of the Rings Gollum. We've talked about it before. I do want to look at the Lord of the Rings Gollum first. That's going to be coming to next-gen consoles and PC next year. Let's talk about the screenshots really quick, and then we'll jump into the Xbox stuff, because I thought this was kind of relevant enough. Um, what did you think of these screenshots of Lord of the Rings Gollum? There's three of them. I, yeah, there are three screenshots out there. I can't believe these are screenshots. These look more like concept art to me, and I'm going to say prove yep. it. Not only, yeah, not only does it, it looks kind of, yeah, that's a good point. It looks like concept art. It also doesn't look like next gen to me. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's the fault of um, Data Lake Entertainment who made the game. I think they're a smaller studio, and they tend to make more 
like narrative based games along the lines not exactly a telltale but they kind of do more of that style and if you look at one of the screenshots they kind of show this it's like a close-up of smeagol's face and there's decisions around him that seem to center around choosing the smeagol side or the golem side something they've kind of talked about in the past um i think that I think for their marketing, yeah, release some screenshots, show what your version of Smeagol looks like. Um, that's good and all. But you, they they must have known that they're showing off some of the first PS5 screenshots and that people were going to criticize it yeah. based on, on that. So I feel like there's a, um, an expectation for this game to be a triple a lord of the rings game along the lines of shadow of mordor don't expect that that's not what this game looks like it's going to be and i don't mean that and like this game is going to suck i don't know anything about this game i really don't know like what it plays like or anything like that but yeah that was kind of an odd move but we did get that first look at series x gameplay so let's just i'm going to run through the announcements we'll talk about how we feel about it there were some controversies that we'll discuss after we share our own thoughts and then uh, we'll talk about what some of uh, our lifelong friends had to say what they wanted to see so they started off the series x event here with bright memory infinite which is an fps made originally by a single person i had to look this up it was originally made as a kickstarter single person but he brought more people on so what you saw was not just him, but it was still a very small team, and it's still extremely impressive. I had to go as far as to say that was the best looking demo or video they showed at the event. Graphically speaking, mm, in not terms like, of gameplay, yes, for a gameplay focused event, yeah. <laughs> yes, that was the best <laughs> gameplay. <laughs> um, after that, the head of portfolio, the head of global portfolio, uh, Damon Baker, who previously did the uh, indie world stuff for Nintendo. He used to be the head of kind of those videos. Uh, he's doing this for Microsoft now. He reassured that all the footage seen in the event will be gameplay captured in engine to give you the, quote, feel of next-gen games. So then they start off Dirt 5 next. It's worth mentioning it's also coming to PS5, PS4, and Xbox One. So it's a cross-gen title. They jumped into Scorn, which is a title we've known about for a few years now, but looks cool. That's a sci-fi horror game. They jumped into Chorus, a space combat shooter from Deep Silver, which is the publisher of like Metro. Then we already talked about Madden NFL 20, uh, 2021. They showed literally a few seconds of gameplay. They showed another <laughs> cross-gen title, which is Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. And they showed off the beautiful Call of the Sea. That looks gorgeous. The Ascent is a cyberpunk isometric RPG. That seems to be next-gen exclusive. The Medium, the next game, is a next-gen exclusive. It's a horror game, and it's coming this holiday. Scarlet Nexus is a a cell-shaded third-person action RPG. It's the next one they showed off. The last three here, Second Extinction is a dinosaur shooty-shoot game where you shoot dinosaurs, and you you shoot them, and that's what that (laughs) game is about. You shoot dinosaurs. Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is also coming to PS5. I'm pretty sure that's cross-gen as well, but I didn't ve- I'll verify that. From the way and that it looks, had the it Assassin's- <laughs> Yeah, I know. It, it definitely is, but I don't know for sure. It's just from how it looks, you can tell. And then Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay was finally revealed. Was it? So, Chad... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's. What did you think of the Xbox Series X gameplay reveal event? Oh, man. I... They even said up front, like, all this is going to be running in-engines, you can get a feel for the gameplay of these games, and I 
straight off the bat, I was like, maybe 20% of these were recognizable as gameplay. And that's not, yeah. a, not a statement saying like, oh my god, this looks so good, I couldn't even tell if it was cutscene or gameplay. It was like, no, it's like, that's not, obviously not gameplay, what we're seeing on the screen right now. Um, if you had said, like the medium, for example, if you had said that was a cinematic trailer, totally would have believed you. But it basically, it was a cinematic made in engine. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what they were, the messaging of it all was just so bad. Because yeah. they set us up for failure. They set themselves up for failure, and they set our expectations mm-hmm. too high for what we're about to see. That yeah. being said, there are actually a few games on here I'm pumped about. Like, mm-hmm. um, the medium, uh, what you just brought up, the medium, actually kind of looks like a yeah. cool game. It has some people from the Silent Hill series kind of on board, which people love mm-hmm. that series. I've never really played one of the games, but I've always wanted to. Um, I know Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 it's kind of a joke, but I'm kind of into it. Like, just the theme of that trailer and the people's faces being all distorted and shit like that. I was like, I'm kind of into this weird shit. How is it a joke? I haven't heard of this as like a joke. Cause, well, because Vampire joke? the Masquerade itself is like not really uh, a worth, not, I'm not going to say it's not a worthwhile game, but it's not a game that reviewed well or people hold in high regard. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, so Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2, I'm like kind of interested in. So it'd be like having a sequel to like the Order eighteen eighty six, where like wasn't reviewed very well, didn't sell very well. Man, maybe I feel like it, I feel like though Vampire the Masquerade is still like a double A title compared to Order eighteen eighty six. When you play it, you can still kind of feel like it's a triple A game, but yeah. But Scorn, Scorn, which looks like kind of a more gruesome looking version of the Alien universe. Yeah, like it absolutely. got it huge vibes of Alien from this. <clears throat> it looks super spooky. And as you mentioned, like it was shown off, I think, in 2017 for the first time. But yeah, seeing a while this ago. reignited interest for me for sure. Um, there is also gameplay. Like, I mean, like gameplay, like 15 minute chunks of gameplay of that available online to watch. I've seen that footage like years ago. And that game is like weird. All your weapons and guns are like are biological. Like when you reload your gun, you're actually putting like a little like my memory might not be serving right here, but like you basically put this like like alien like bug looking thing as your ammo as you like reload it Ew. and it like doesn't want to go in the gun. Like it looks like it's gonna be a really interesting, unique yeah. experience. Yeah, and that looks like it's gonna be Series X. Thank God. Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be really cool. But then you see things like like Yakuza like a dragon, which literally mm-hmm. looks like early PS4, maybe really, really good PS3 game in the terms mm-hmm. of like the character models and the animations. Like, I was so surprised that at an event dedicated to the real... The, the first time we ever see what gameplay looks like on this brand new console coming out this fall, and that's one of the main games that they show off. Like, that's one of their headlines is Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is important mm-hmm. because Xbox traditionally does no sales in Japan. Like, they have zero yeah. support over there. So this is important to, like, say, hey, this game's not only coming to our console, but it's also optimized for Series X as well. But, man, it did not look good. That's not a good a good way to show what your console's capable of right off the bat. Yeah, I I agree. I, I wonder I, I how much of this has to do with just how many next-gen games are actually in development versus cross-gen games. There was yeah. that stat we talked about last year, which is that there are 20% of developers are working on games for the next generation, but only 2% of those were actually... Well, 2%. 
2% is going to be next-gen exclusive games, and the remaining 18% of that 20% is cross-gen titles. I think that's a big reason why we're seeing things like Yakuza Like a Dragon or Vampire the Masquerade, Bloodlines, Madden, and NFL 21. A lot of the games here, especially like Dirt 5, I saw that, I'm like, that looks like a racing game from this generation. Oh, it's because it is a racing game from this generation. Right. They're just prettying it up a little bit. And in it's their when defense, you get to things like games of this, of this generation look amazing. Oh, absolutely! Like, yeah, people have figured out how to get the most out of these consoles. So when I play something brand new that's at the like made for these generations, like it's it's sometimes astonishing what I'm looking at. So that's yeah. a compliment, but it's like we gotta we gotta see what's next. We gotta justify why these new consoles mm-hmm. exist. Yeah, and when you see things like Br- Bright Memory Infinite, I mean that looked yeah fucking incredibly good. And I don't mean that as like oh it was made by a single person for a single person made game. It looks really good. Like. For a small team, that looks like a triple A caliber experience. I mean, I don't know what the full experience is, but like that vertical slice we just saw totally looks like a triple A game. I was totally blown away by the that footage to begin with. And then when they said afterwards, oh, and by the way, an extremely small team worked on that, holy shit. Yeah. Um, that was amazing to me. And I think that because of things like that, especially Bright Memory Infinite starting off the event, when you get to the end and you're at Yakuza and you're like, ooh. That doesn't look as good. It stands out more because it doesn't look as good as something else you just saw in this exact event. Right. So that was interesting. But you get to the things like Call of the Sea, um, which essentially just looks like a walking simulator. That game also looked beautiful, like a cel-shaded art style with really incredible lighting coming in through the trees. There was one shot where your your character was in a desert, and there are all these kind of objects that are being obscured by a sandstorm, but you can still see light coming through the sandstorm and like faintly coming through the objects as well and I just look at that going like holy shit that is something I don't see in in this generation right now that looks unbelievably good Um, and then some of the other games that also looked really good like visually wise like if you're trying to uh, critique this based on it being new hardware and capable of more like the ascent looks really cool but when you're showing an isometric RPG it's not exactly the most jump out at you kind of experience like they're showing all this footage for the uh, the ascent that's like the world the people talking the characters talking i'm like this looks really good and they switched isometric downward perspective and i'm like ah there just wasn't a lot in this that made me jump now i think a big part of that is that we haven't seen the first party stuff so we don't know what Microsoft's new studios are working on but i don't think the event was a complete failure but i definitely do think it was misrepresented um specifically by Phil Spencer kind of hyping it up last last week saying we're going to reveal the games like sooner than you think. I think that got people a little bit too worked up. And I can't remember if they announced it or if it was a rumor, like a leak, but there was some sort of like confirmation that there there's going to be an event every month and that yeah. this event wasn't going to have like the first party stuff. Like don't expect Halo, don't expect that kind of stuff. Um, I can't remember. Was that a rumor or was that an official announcement ahead of time? That Either way, it didn't permeate enough. It was okay. It didn't yeah. permeate well enough. Definitely I not. agree. Yeah. In the same way that like Sony's messaging didn't permeate well enough. Um, it's, it's a similar kind of way to that. But I don't, I think that Microsoft fortunately has enough goodwill with all their super strong on point messaging throughout this year that this isn't going to hurt them. Um, people are just kind of going like, oh, okay, but I'm looking forward to at least July. And I think, like, to me, like that's the difference between this and Sony's kind of downfalls so far, is after this, I went, ooh, okay, that wasn't... like it was. I'm not as harsh as other people are on it, but I definitely re- totally understand all the complaints, and I 
I feel a lot of them too. But I know that in July we're going to see some more stuff. I know that time frame exists. Right. Whereas like Sony, it's like uh, that event Road to PS5 totally fucking sucked. I, I still don't know like when the next thing is, is going to happen. So like I think Microsoft's totally going to bounce back from this no problem um, at all. But people are still really upset about yeah. this. After the event, many people online were let down by the reveal. Especially, before I get to that, we didn't even talk about Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay Oh, yet, God, because yeah. Because it wasn't really one. The big gameplay reveal, and it was like, maybe if you caught it, there were two or three seconds within the entire minute-long trailer they showed. Yeah. It's like they needed to create a distinction between not using the term gameplay. If they just said... We're going to show you in-engine footage of these games. I don't think there would be any backlash. But they kept saying gameplay in-engine like together as one, and they're not the same thing. It's like yeah. a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle isn't a square. It's like the same <laughs> like thing. Like It doesn't work that way. Um, and, they, and also mentioning the beginning, like it'll give you the feel for next-gen games. That Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay reveal did not in any way do that for me. And part of that, um, they, this, you're right. They specifically mentioned feel of next play, of next gen games, and part of that is not just graphics and the way that these look. And we're all judging these games based on how they looked. They don't look mm-hmm. next gen. They don't look next gen. But there's such a challenge with these next consoles that it's. There's only so much ray tracing and things like that can do, but why do these consoles exist? Like, the speed of the SSC, making loading times. Like, these are really hard things to show, and I don't feel like this event was successful at all in showing me why these games are going to be better on Series mm-hmm. X. They had a badge that said, they're better on Series X. I don't know why, though. Does it yeah. look better? Does Yakuza look even worse on a regular Xbox One <laughs> X than it did on Absolutely. the Series X? They- they should have shown comparisons. Like this yeah. is what it looks like on Xbox One. This is the like Series X. With the when they announced the Xbox One X, every single time they tra- showed a trailer, they said this game runs at sixty frames a second at four K. This game runs at four K thirty. Like these are why it's demonstrably better on One X. And there yeah. were a couple of things that are like facts, like Dirt Five, for instance. I don't think they mentioned it in the trailer reveal. But that game will run at 120 frames a second at 1080p or 4K60. That's really impressive. Yeah, that's really impressive. Like, that's the kind of information that I want to know about why is this optimized? Why is this better on Series X? That I feel like we got none mm-hmm. of that for any of these. Yeah. And I feel like with something like ray tracing, to um, point on that too, that'd be easy to show off. Yeah. Here's what it looks like without ray tracing. This looks like with ray tracing. I mean, that's been NVIDIA's marketing strategy for the RTX cards since the beginning. Yep. On, off. Look at what it looks like. On, off. Like, look at the difference. And they didn't do anything like that. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And we're not alone. I think a lot of people are feeling exactly what we're feeling as well. In fact, Tom Marks of IGN wrote a whole article titled, You May Need to Lower Your Expectations for <laughs> Next-Gen Graphics. And I just have like a, like a small little summary of the article, but I encourage reading it and getting your own thoughts about it as well. Tom Marks argues that the advances in next generation won't be visual in a major sense, but rather in simulations, in subtle advancements like water and hair physics. The SSDs will also improve gameplays, uh, gameplay in ways hard to demonstrate in a trailer. That's the gist of kind of what he's saying. Um, I read the full article. I don't agree with him, but I agree with his sentiments. I'm not. What do you think about it? Yeah, I, as I just kind of mentioned, like visuals are not going to be as big of a leap 
we can, I guess we say mm-hmm. this every generation, or at least I just me- remember it so much from the PS3 to PS4 generation. <laughs> but yeah, visuals are not going to be as big of a leap as we're used to in the past because we're just like, mm-hmm. you, it's hard to get more photorealistic than we already are with real-time simulation. So mm-hmm. again, these other reasons of why these next-gen consoles are going to be, are, they're just difficult things to show off aside from turning on and off ray tracing for sure. Or yeah. showing, this is what it looks like at 60 frames a second. This is 120 frames a second while everyone's watching a 30 frames per second YouTube stream. Like, that's it's hard to mm-hmm. see the difference. Yeah. The the sentiment I got from the article is, it's kind of like offering a comparison. Like, think about, like, iPhone upgrades, for example. Like, I used to be the kind of person to upgrade every year a new iPhone came out. Because when they say it's twice as fast, I'm like, oh my god, that means so much. But now when they say it's, you know... Uh, it's twice as fast. I'm like, yeah, my phone's already really fucking fast, so I don't <laughs> right. need to like upgrade. I don't have that desire. And I think that he's basically saying like that plateau for graphics. We've kind of hit that where you can make these improvements, but it won't be as apparent. And I agree with that sentiment to an extent, but I also really disagree with it because we've seen footage like Hellblade, Sending with uh, Hellblade Two, Sending with Saga that looks shockingly good. It looks incredible. Like to me, Hellblade Two does look definitively next gen. But where again, it does that was hit gameplay. More. That was an engine, though. That was an engine. But, so, it but wasn't so like with that water, <laughs> the water, like the fire effects, the you know, Senua's facial expressions, like yeah. all that. That's running real time. That's unbelievable. So I, I, I think the bigger issue is just the it's cross gen. And you're having all these titles that are going to look largely similar to what you had before because they can't make with the SSD in mind. They can't take full advantage um, of the CPU or the GPU in a way because they're still kind of um, limited by what they can achieve on the previous, previous generation consoles. I think that's the bigger hurdle, not so much that we've hit this plateau. I think the plateau is photorealism, and we're definitely not there yet. Um, but I think that the where he's right is that the differences are going to be in like subtle hair effects and water effects. But I do think that if you add all those things up, like we saw in the Hellblade 2 trailer, it does amount to something that you can notice immediately. Right. But it's harder to pinpoint exactly what it is that looks better about it. You can say something like, yeah, the water looks great. And then an engineer will come in and tell you, oh, yeah, we got that because of, and he'll, you know, just throw a bunch of jargon at you that you don't really know what it means because it's extremely technical. I think that's the biggest hurdle we're going to reach. It's going to be very hard to explain this stuff. Um, To kind of piggyback off what you were saying, too, about like 120 frames per second, 1080p, and having that kind of marker on there um, for why this game is better, I think that works in like the Dirt 5 example. I think it's harder to do that when we're already at 4K and we're already at 30 frames per second for right. these games. And a lot of games are still going to be probably at 4K, 30 frames per second. Like, I'd be surprised if Hellblade 2 is running at 4K 60, looking as good as it, as it did in that video back in December. So I feel like it's just going to be a w- interesting transition. Um, Does that give you a big old... Like we'll you're, have to see. You're talking about how cross-gen ha- takes so much into account for why these games might look the way that they do. Does that give you a yeah. giant boner knowing that Sony doesn't necessarily commit to cross-gen for its first-party games? And knowing that when well, so we that's... finally see the first one, we might bleed out of our eyes? <laughs> yeah, so that's why I said I'm not going to talk about the Sony event thing right now. I'll hold off my thoughts till right now. So 
Sony has the ability to take back the thunder right now because just like you said, if they can show off what an SSD is actually capable of with a game by showing us hypothetically God of War 2 Ragnarok, whatever it's going to be called, or just God of War Ragnarok, and we can see what it's capable of, they can totally steal the thunder from Microsoft before they announce their first party games in July. Like, this is their opportunity. They need to do this very soon like next few weeks please don't wait more than a month please don't wait more than a month (laughs) mostly because i'm just being selfish and i want to see these games but also i feel like you know microsoft didn't have their their strongest showing they didn't show games that exemplified next gen and i think sony has the ability to do that better than than microsoft did just like you said because they're not doing the cross-gen thing well to what we know about right now right they haven't made a public commitment to it like microsoft has yeah yeah so, there was another absolutely. interesting thing. I forget who tweeted it, but there was a someone in the video games industry tweeted that it felt like Microsoft had a collection of games that were ready to show off, and not necessarily the collection of games it wanted to show off. Like they were like, "Let's make an event, uh, third-party games. What's available? Mm-hmm. Oh, great, we've got seven, eight things that are really ready to go." But it's not necessarily mm-hmm. the ones that are like, "I want to make sure you're ready to show off your game because I think that's going to be a system seller." I think so, like. It was yeah. a, a circumstance rather than the, a plan. Yeah, I think that's a, that's definitely a way to look at it. I think another way of looking at it is, since we, we don't know because we don't know what's going behind the scenes, is that um, this is kind of their first Xbox 2020 event. And like the first Sony State of Play, it was really kind of garbage because they don't want to you know blow their load too quickly. Yeah. Like, this is showing some stuff, but next month we're going to get some more stuff. Month after that, we're going to get some more stuff. August, more stuff. So they don't want to reveal everything quite yet. But, and we'll talk about this in a second, but they just, they set the expectations a little little too too high. And if you think, like, this was the first Xbox 2020 event, but it wasn't actually originally revealed as that. It was just another inside Xbox. And then a few days before, they're like, uh, no, this is actually part of a bigger (laughs) thing we decided we're doing. Every month we're going to do something new. So, like, Obviously, this wasn't part of the plan from the beginning to make this part yeah. of this. Huge- Last night, over some over some wine, we decided, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so we've talked about how, like, I don't think we hated the event, but I think we we're kind of feeling the same way. We didn't hate it, but it, it was lacking. I was not in, appointed. In some ways. I was, I was disappointed. I was not appointed. Uh, both Assassin's Creed Valhalla's uh, creative director and the general manager of Xbox Games Marketing came out to apologize for improper expectations going in. So. That's something you don't see very often. <laughs> um, so Xbox's Aaron Greenberg says recent Xbox Series X showcase was set up uh, with wrong expectations. He tweeted, "Had we not said anything and just shown um, and just shown May inside um, Xbox show like we did last month, excuse me, I suspect reactions might have been different. Clearly, um, we set some wrong expectations, and that's on us. We appreciate all the feedback and can assure you, um, and we can assure you we will um, blah." Totally, I'm blanking out there. And can assure you, we will take it all in and learn as a team. And then he does the like the prayer, prayer hands, hands and then a green and heart. Um, and then oh, green heart finish. because of Xbox. I get yep. it. And then Asaroff Ismail of uh, the creative director of Valhalla, he tweeted, "Hello, all. You rightfully expected to see more today. We have a long marketing campaign ahead of us. You will see in-depth gameplay and get a lot more info about the game. Thank you for your excitement and passion. Be patient with us and be kind. It'll be worth it." Chad, do you feel like that was a uh, strong enough sentiment? Do you feel like they love you? I do feel like they love me, mostly Good. because they sent me a hundred dollars in the mail to say that. 
Just kidding, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I appreciate that they got out in a timely manner and like, yeah, guys, we fucked up. We set the wrong expectation, mm-hmm. but don't worry, we've got a plan. Like, I feel like this is yeah. the right step and they did everything that they could and should have done. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see what's next. Because I really yeah. am excited def- about all of these things that we saw. Except for Yakuza. Oh, yeah. But... Oh, Yakuza, like a dragon. You want to play that? Oh, it looks awful. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this was really good of them to do. I wish Sony did this after their road to PS5 event. Oh, right, right. I really wish that... Because it, it, it feels like Microsoft wants to have this relationship and communication with the community. And that to me goes a long way and i i really feel like i'm i was really sour and down after road to ps5 i had really negative things to say and i think i actually would have been more down on this had they not kind of come out and been like hey guys all right we get it yeah uh it just it's always nice to see companies do that i think companies just in general have this tendency to be um a little narcissistic and they can never make any faults. We'll never acknowledge anything we've never done wrong. And I just, I always gain so much respect for a company when they just come out and be like, yeah, that was not great. Yep. So 100%. it's nice to see. And it wasn't just Microsoft though. It was also, um, you know, Ubisoft with Assassin's Creed, just very cool stuff all around. But like I said, we still felt like you could have seen some more. And it seems like some of our lifelong friends kind of felt the same way. We asked on Twitter yesterday, on Saturday, May the 9th. Yeah, May the 9th. May the 9th be with you, yeah. What our lifelong friends wanted to see out of the event that they didn't see. Uh, Matt um, said, at Matt from RI said that he wanted to um, see In the Valley of Gods, which is the game um, from the developers of Campo Santo, yeah. Campo Santo, yeah. Who was bought by Valve. Right. Um... I don't think, I think you're going to see I, that one because that team went on to go and help with Half-Life Alex, and they essentially shelved that game. They um, did, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't got know if we'll vibes. I, I know where he's coming from, though, because I got vibes of that seeing the Call to the Sea. I literally said out loud we were watching it, oh, is this valley, in the Valley of Gods? Like, this yeah. looks very, very similar to that. Um, so, yeah, it would have been nice to see that. And then Brent, who is at Pork Chop in 1984, said he wanted to see Assassin's Creed Valhalla. <laughs> I did, too. <laughs> Me, too. I really wish that was there in any capacity. <laughs> Chad, any closing thoughts on Microsoft's Xbox Series X inside Xbox? Just kidding. Wait, it's actually called Xbox 2020. <laughs> um, no, I'm very excited. and I said no, and then here are my thoughts that I'm going to have. <laughs> I'm very excited <laughs> for July, July's first party one. Uh, I'm really, really grateful for their continued marketing strategy of having something every single month and communicating that up front. Um, so mm-hmm. I am excited for the continuance of their marketing campaign and to see what's next. Yes, I think their campaign has still been very good thus far. I don't think this has you know, put a damper on Series X for me. Moving on, we got a subscriber interrogative from the chat from one DFN Schmitty, who we should just, I don't want to character assassinate anyone here, but he's on trial for murder right now. <laughs> and I just, I needed to say that. <laughs> so take his question with a grain of salt. He's on trial for murder. <laughs> DFN Schmitty, uh, Dallas Smith said, um, release one now, kill one, delay one. So iteration of muck fer- uh, fuck Mary kill <laughs> muck fairy the last of kill. us <laughs> fuck Mary kill the last of us part two Avengers or cyberpunk 
I don't think we're going to be able to agree to this. I think we should make our own No, list. we're definitely going to make our own because until our conversation like three hours ago about Avengers, I was tepid on it. But then we started texting about it, and I drank a lot of pre-workout, and now it's one of the most anticipated <laughs> things I've ever seen in my life. But here's the thing. So, Release one now, Last of Us 2. Why? Because it went gold. It's obviously done, and it's going to work. So release that one right now. I want to play it. Kill one, Cyberpunk. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm not already like super into that game. Again, after every trailer, like there's a gameplay trailer, and I'm like, okay. And then there's a story trailer. I'm like, yeah. And then there's a game trailer, trailer and I was like, oh, okay, that's gonna lower my expectation. And then there's like, ah. So, um, hold on. What you got going on in your hand? Did you break your finger or something like that? No, nope, I'm gonna give you the middle mm-hmm. finger because you want to kill Cyberpunk. Yeah, we're gonna I kill don't Cyberpunk. Approve. I don't approve. It's not a repi- an opinion I can respect. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm gonna delay Avengers. But only by a day. Only by a day. Only by a day. <laughs> like, technically, it counts as a delay, but we're gonna play that. I'm just, I'm so excited to suit up as Black Widow and just go out there and karate chop the shit out of people with my friends. Can't wait. So I'll agree with you on um, releasing now Last of Us Part Two. Yep, I want to play that game. We want to play that game real bad. Oh, I also because I'm doing my kind of uh, my three week boycott <laughs> on not playing the game. I'm not boy- gonna call it a hissy fit, but <laughs> it's not a hissy I'm fit. I'm just kidding. I'm making a stance. Uh, so Proud Last of, of Us Part Two, I'd play that uh, in three weeks. It was released right now. Um, kill Avengers, just kill that shit. I don't know what that game is. I was telling you guys in the chat. I don't know what it is. I feel like I, I what they have said about that game is so contradictory that I have absolutely no idea what it looks like when I sit on my couch I have my controller in hand and I start to play that game like am am I starting as a single player and there's a separate multiplayer thing or is it all wrapped into one what does a level look like because obviously it's a tutorial level that looks kind of bland to be honest and as I said I agree with you I don't don't know I I know nothing about this game but what we've made up in our minds sounds so good (laughs) Oh, that's like that could be really bad if it doesn't meet that. I don't know. I'm just I'm concerned about that game. We I'm really worried about that game. Um, but delay Cyberpunk. Here's the thing: delay Cyberpunk. Delay that shit until it's a next gen exclusive, and I can just play it on a PS5 on a super fast SSD. Because I'm not gonna lie, I'm really excited for Cyberpunk. It's one of my most hyped games, just period, right now. But it looks really, really ambitious, and I do have this slight concern that there might be some technical hiccups on it uh, running on current-gen hardware. I have nothing to back that statement up at all. All the footage we've seen looks like it runs fantastically, but I would just really would rather play that on a beautiful Series X or a beautiful PS5 with the fancy SSDs and the teraflops that are more teraflops than the teraflops <laughs> of the PS4 and the Xbox One. I want to play that game in the best possible way I can play it. So delay Cyberpunk. I love the idea that like up until maybe two months ago, their messaging has been, we might support the next-gen consoles, but our focus is 100% on current-gen. And then now they're like, Oh yeah, we're gonna have a cur- an Xbox Series X version of it, not at launch, but it's coming. And now you're like, just delay it till it's not even a current gen thing anymore. Yeah, I I would rather have the Series X version. Yep. Like like hear me out. Like if you had heard, hey, uh, we're- Last of Us Part Two is gonna support the PS5. Wouldn't a little part of you go like, oh, I'd really just would like to play it for the first time on PS5 and no, see I all play that it right now? Mm, I, I mean, too, I, but I that's also- what I did with the Last of Us One. I pl- like 
came out and I mean they didn't announce that the remaster was happening before the first one came out but I played it Within in June year. of that year <laughs> and then as soon as it came out on PS4 I bought it again I didn't play it again yeah. until this year but I bought it again yeah see I played Last of Us Remastered first I had never played the PS3 version of it I played the superior version and I'd like to do that with Cyberpunk did you play just, it at 60 frames a second same. or 30 frames a second Last of Us yeah well I played it at first on the OG PS4 I didn't have a PS4 Pro well, but you still had the option for was, frame rate. That was part of the upgrade was like you got the option for the first oh, time to play it at 60 frames a second. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to replay that game again you before have to. the second one comes out. You have like six yeah. weeks. Well, I have longer than that. No, you, have, have, you have six weeks till your birthday. And then we have like four and a half weeks until the game comes out. No, it's more than six weeks to my birthday. Hey, Siri, how many days until July 4th? It's like seven. 55 days. What's 55 divided by seven? That's Se- eight. You're eight. This, no, no, it's not. It's that's um, it's seven and a half. Roughly You're seven, seven and, and a half. half. Yeah. Okay. So we're both wrong because you weren't exactly right. Moving on to Game On Game Show. <laughs> the game on our gaming show where we play a game called Game On on our game show. We game, 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 game. Holden, our final segment tonight is a repeat, not repeat, but a new installation of Quiz Me, Captain. It's me, Margaret. It's a game <laughs> show in four rounds that we play. It's all time-based. Oh, let me get my timer out on my phone. Holden, I'm going to ask you a series of video game-related questions. You will have various amounts of time to answer each one. AKA, not enough. It's never enough time. <laughs> <laughs> no, the first round, you always have way more time than you need. <clears throat> Are you ready? C. Round one, again, is just one question. You have to finish answering the question with whatever the requirements are within 30 seconds. For Quiz Me, Captain, it's me, Margaret. <clears throat> are you ready for round one of Quiz Me, Captain, it's me, Margaret? Holden. I don't have a choice, so I have to be ready. Remember, yes. if you get through all four rounds and complete them, you get a super special secret prize. <laughs> round one. Pride. 30 <laughs> seconds. Starts. Now, name five cities from video games that aren't part of a Nintendo franchise. Okay. Liberty City, Vice City, San Andreas. Then you're going to have... Um, mm, God damn it, you mentioned Nintendo. Left. Now that's all I'm thinking about. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um, Ten seconds left. It's not part of a Nintendo franchise. I can't do Why can't I fucking do it? Seattle in... in um, five seconds left. That counts? Yep. Seattle. And then... Two. N- n- one. Fuck. Zero. I can't do it. I can't oh, do it. Why can't I do it? All you had to say it was, was so New easy. York. All you had to say was New York. I, I was you thinking New York, but I'm like, no, that's Liberty City. I'm like, no, but Spider-Man. Yeah. Division. I, yeah. Division, Spider-Man. You could have said so many cities. New Orleans, Chicago. I know. San Francisco. All of these have video games. All right. Well, you but don't I want to say Chicago secret. and then I have a game to like back it up. I could just name Watch the dogs. city. Miami, Houston. Miami. They play basketball there in NBA 2K. <laughs> <laughs> So I couldn't mention any city then. Literally any city probably would have worked. I would have taken it. But you don't get the super secret prize. But we are still going to finish the game. Round two. (laughs) There are three prompts. I feel feel, uh, very um, enticed to keep going knowing (laughs) I can't get a prize. It's just a a prize of pride but not super secrecy. (laughs) Second round. 60 seconds this time. You have three prompts. Are you ready for round two of Quiz Me Cat Mitsumi Margaret? Mm-hmm. 60 seconds on the clock starts now. Name three games that were shown at this week's Xbox 2020. 
Bright Memory Infinite, Call One, of the Sea, two. and uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Three. Name two game franchises that start with the letter D. Dark Souls? 45 seconds. Yep. And Digimon. <laughs> That's two. Last one. In order from left to right, mentally label the presidents featured on Mount Rushmore, one through four. And then <laughs> list their names in order of three, four, one, two. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no, you have 25 seconds. <laughs> you, you have to say that one more time because it's way too much. You okay, can name so them left, from to, left right to right in your head. And then I want you to give me the names of the third one, the fourth one, the first one, then the second one. You have 15 seconds. The third one, the fourth one, the first one, the second one? Yep. 10 okay. seconds. Don't even know who they are on the, on the face of Mount Rushmore. So. <laughs> Five seconds. I'm going to say uh, Herbert Hoover. Wrong. Um, Barack Obama. <laughs> George W. Bush was... and his dad, George H.W. Bush. There we go. There you go. The correct answer, 3412, was <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, and Thomas Jefferson. Nailed it. Yeah. You were not it. doing well this time, Holden. No, I'm not. I'm Whew. not. But it's hilarious, though, so I don't <laughs> mind. <laughs> Round three, again, is one prompt. It is usually yep. something you have to convince or debate me to do. It yep. is 20 seconds long. Are you ready for round three of Quiz Me, Cat, Mitch, yeah. Me, Margaret? <clears throat> 20 seconds starts now. Convince me why I should be excited for Marvel's Avengers game from Square Enix. Oh, see, so you're going to be able to play with your friends as superheroes that you get to decide. Done! You did it! You're... You did it! I'm sold! <laughs> <laughs> that was hard. That was impossible. <laughs> All right. Final round. Final round. Can you fix your camera? You're out of focus. Boop. Boopy, 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 boop. Sex. You are in Better? focus. Great. Wonderful. Final pool. round pool. of Quiz Me Captain's Pool, not cool. But pools are cool, so it works. <laughs> you pulled focus to yourself. Hmm. 30 seconds. You need four correct answers to complete this round. <clears throat> yes. Again, the final round is usually I name two things. One of them is correct and one of them is incorrect based on my own opinion of them. There is no set standard or qualification for a correct answer. Are you ready for round four, See. final round of Quiz Me Cat, Me Margaret? 30 seconds on the clock. You need four answers that are correct. Starts now. Joy-Con or Wiimote? Wiimote. No, Joy-Con is so much smaller. Rush the band or rush the game? <laughs> rush the band. Isn't no, you game? idiot. Rush the band. San Francisco 2049. Hell yeah. Jack or Daxter? Jack. Yeah, hell yeah. Inverted or standard? Standard. Yes, absolutely. Very good. Squirtle or Charmander? Squirtle. Yeah. Blastoise or Charizard? Charizard. Time's up, but yes, you are correct. That was four answers on the last second. You just got it. Boom. Very good. Very good. Very good. <laughs> the next one, just because you'll never see these again, was pregnancy or tooth pain? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say tooth pain. No, the correct answer is pregnancy because tooth pain is the worst thing you'll ever feel in your life. <laughs> More than pregnancy? Okay. Have you ever had to have a root canal? Well, pregnancy is not labor. Labor is just the end of the pregnancy. That's right. That's right. Nine months of go. carrying around this piece of shit you in your get, belly. Yeah, you just get to eat a lot of food. It yeah. Sounds great. I had to have a root canal. The root canal itself was saving my life because it felt so good. But the tooth pain that caused the need for the root canal was unbearable. 
I say, the last thing I just said is one of those things that can be totally taken out of context to be like, Holden is a total misogynist. He just said pregnancy is not a big deal. It's just eating a lot of food. He must hate women. <laughs> it's the internet. Everyone will get what you meant. Um, Holden, that's Where it. Where are the others? Uh, oh, the other okay, ones? Some of the other ones. Uh, waxing your car or painting your room? Painting your room. No, waxing your car. Come on, Holden. You don't even have a car. But it goes so much faster. Resident Evil 2 Remake or Wind Waker Remastered? Resident Evil 2 Remake. Hell yeah. Do you remember the Northman Cider Bar? Yes or no? Oh, absolutely. I, actually, <laughs> yeah. I have Googled it. Well, looked it up at Apple Maps just to say, just to make sure it's still around for when I go back to Chicago. I'll be like, does it still exist? Awesome. It still exists. That place is fantastic. Um, for in Chicago, the Northman Cider Bar, unbelievable. So good. You obviously have not Apple Maps it recently enough because it no longer exists as you know it. It is under new management. It is still a cider bar, but under a different name. Jesse just told me this last week. Don't worry. It's essentially the same place. I'm nervous, though. New management, that might not be a good thing. I'm, not, I'm legitimately nervous. I'm like, if that place is not For that there, one time Chicago, 90 years from now that you decide to go back to Chicago and visit and, and it happens to not be there, like. The next this time I go to Chicago, it was the first night I will go to the Northman or whatever it's. What's it called now? I don't know. Look no. up the address and see what it says on Apple Maps. I'm sure you have the address memorized. Well, I want to look up. I want to look up that. I also look up Fountainhead because there was a really good cider bar owned by the same people as Northman called Fountainhead. Oh, it was had literally a whole menu of just whiskeys broken down by the country that they're from. What their, their flavor is? Is it more of a smoky flavor or is it more of like a. It, it was amazing. I don't think oh, you I know what cider is. I'm talking about a whiskey bar right now, not a cider bar. I think you need to be more. I don't clear. think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about at all. <laughs> I might just be talking so fast because I'm, I'm hyped that. Uh, just about thinking about that place. Yeah, um, I'm literally looking it up place. right now. The Northman, Chicago. Oh, cider's no. the tits, though. It is Beer full of sugar. Cider. Full O sugar, though. There might be a different one, because there's some place called Northman Beer in Center Garden. I'll look this up later. This is not related to video games. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. That's the end of Game on Game Show and the end of our episode this week. You have a few things to do. Go subscribe to us on YouTube. Please. Go to patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. Give us a buck. Get your cool ass wallpapers. Ass wallpapers. Play Order 1886, whether you're a patron or not. Send us your thoughts. T H O T, that ho over there. Uh, and then go vote in our poll Tuesday morning, the morning that you're listening to this, because you all listen day one, watch day one, uh, and tell us that Dallas is guilty. <laughs> That's it. For Respawning Fire, episode 160. Until next time, here's our usual sign-off. Hold on. You're welcome. That's impressive. <laughs> good timing. <laughs> Thank you. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs>